Shortly, Express now in the GB News petition to keep cash was a success. I hope it was handed over as paper, Paul. <laughs> yes, good point. Nigel Farage hands over GB News Don't Kill Cash petition to number 11 with 300,000 signatures. This is actually a remarkable story. This petition, we know how ca important cash is to you. There goes Nigel thundering on the door. It's being answered. It's sent out. A policeman, a lackey. Can we, can we hear anything? Wordt het nog wel door heel veel instellingen en organisaties ook gebruikt? Ja, en dat klopt. En door andere professoren die dat ook onderzocht hebben, wordt er tegen gesproken. all up. I'm trying to mess with our internet here courts. Hey guys, welcome back to Resistance Tricks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's Sunday, which means we're going to go all around the world with this week's top world news. You can't get this kind of show anywhere else, I believe. And I'm not trying to pat anybody's back, although since Leah's the one that puts the show together, I can. But, 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 but. I think we have the best world news program out there for conservative news. That's what I think. I couldn't you can't say it. I can you. say it. You can't disagree. That's right. And y'all can't disagree either. So this week we are still looking at Maui. We're now looking at the Canadian wildfires that are raging. It's absolutely insane. What is going on? We've already had these Canadian wildfires. I mean, we down here in Ohio had smoke, what, three, four weeks ago that was really hazy over our area? Yeah, that because, happened a few times. I mean, this it's like, I'm, I'm kind of like... I don't really remember that happening before. What is this in, ever in my life? Yeah. What is going on with that? Then we've got Nigel Farage, your buddy and mine, going with the don't kill cash campaign in cool. the uk someone sent me a video a few weeks ago and they were like is this real where an old man went into a grocery store in the uk and was trying to pay with cash and they would not let him and he plunked down his change in his little british accent and he walked out and they were treating him as if he had stolen the goods and he's like i'm paying with money i am not a thief you can't make me use your new Mark of the Beast digital dollar in order to buy my goods. I'm going to pay cash. I've always paid cash. Of course, he did it in probably a British accent. I'm just saying. we got that going on. And then in the UK, what is with this nurse who's become like the largest ser serial killer in, the, in recent history? Baby murderer. Lucy Letby. Uh, she's just been found guilty of murder Gosh. of seven infants. I guess she enjoyed... Uh, killing them. It's it's really enjoyed killing them. She enjoyed killing them. Okay, so we're not going there right now, are no. we? No. <laughs> okay, jeez. Oh my gosh. So what else do we have in this week's world news, Leah? Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about more about Imran Khan from Pakistan. I'm gonna work on your internet. You guys know that he was a very famous cricket player. 
and was kind of like a superstar. And they talked about him all the time in the UK. And now that he's been arrested and ousted in, in, in some sort of New World Order plot switch up, you know, switch up the game. We don't want you anymore. And now he's in jail. And it's a very strange situation there. So Neil Oliver is actually uh, going to weigh in on that for us today. Um, I've got a um, uh, an anchor lady here who is calling um, a uh, British pundit an extreme, uh, um, extreme. And then his response is, you think it's extreme that I'm an anti-pedophile? Yeah. Like, um, is that a thing? So, yeah, we want to, we can, and then we've got, of course, the Belgian farmers who came out in force this week, just a couple days ago. Um, 500 tractors showed up uh, to protest the this Nitrogen should not be a thing, by the way, that farmers should have yeah. to protest anything. What yeah. you know what I mean? Like, what is what is this? This, and don't think for a second it's not coming to a country near you. Yeah, you know what I really love about the Netherlands and Americans really need to get off their high SUV instead of high horse is that they buy bicycle everywhere and there's bicycle paths everywhere, and for some reason it's some sort of lefty nonsense that bicycles um uh, they've made it so that wanting to bicycle like for travel and transportation is some sort of lefty green deal and that the idea of bike lanes is too expensive or stupid here in huh? america oh yeah 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 and in when you see videos of the netherlands is everybody's bicycles just everywhere it's just little old people old facts. people like 70 80 years old they've grown up they bicycle everywhere and they're super healthy and we have all these fat americans especially all these obese fat conservatives who are like and republicans who are like oh i don't want tax dollars for like bike lanes that's like a lefty green agenda and i'm like you are fat you are obese, okay? And I'm angry at you because actually I would like to use my bicycle to get to the grocery store, but you know what? I can't because it's way too dangerous because just literally going a, um, like 500 feet from my house to, to get to another person's house is, is so dangerous that I can't even bicycle the road. Reminder like, for many of you who do not know this. I hate the little word fat. known fact. That's not what I was going to say. Leah and our mother and myself took a 3,000-mile bicycle trip across the country. We have biked everywhere. everywhere. We have biked everywhere. We've biked on highways when it's illegal to bike on highways because we didn't have any other way to get from point A to point B. And yet, we live in an area where we won't bike to our grocery store that takes literally three minutes to drive to. That's how dangerous it is. So don't tell me, guys, and that it say, is. That we, and you know what? It gets. It makes me really mad. They say don't bicycle on the sidewalks. It's illegal, by the way. To bicycle on a sidewalk. When you bicycle on the sidewalk, you get yelled at. And when you bicycle on the road, you get honked at that said, get off the road. Roads aren't for bicycles. I'm like, first of all, and it's, and guys, you know, we don't lean left. We don't lean right. We lean on, lean on the word of God. So when we're calling out the conservatives where we actually lean in that camp, we are conservatives. We're saying, guys, 
Stop it. That's why you're Stop it. Overweight. Stop it. That's why Stop your it. Kids are overweight. That's why you struggle and you have to go on keto diets. You know, sorry, this is a total sidetrack. Oh okay? Boy. All you people on keto, carnivore, all this stuff because you need your body to go into ketosis because you got too much stored up stores, okay? I'm telling you, you know what else is different in the UK? And actually, I'm going to play a cool clip. Everybody I know, everyone I know goes to Europe and loses 10 pounds. Oh, yeah, true. It's very true. And their bowels get back on track. Right. Okay? Do you have the Heinz ketchup one? Is that what you have? No. So I did find that. Remember when we went to um, the pub? Yeah. And I said, Leah, this ketchup doesn't taste right. It yeah. doesn't taste like our ketchup. Yeah. It tastes like tomato paste. Mm -hmm. And I literally, I think, showed up in my feed last night that in the UK and in Canada, by the way, Heinz ketchup doesn't have the high fructose corn syrup and it's just tomato paste. They're killing everybody in the USA. I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> I don't. Everywhere I turn, you all are trying to kill me. Oh my gosh. I, okay, so anyways, in this video... About cash with Nigel Farage. You know what? Let's just let's just do our cash store. Right you know now. what we're gonna do? I'm gonna figure out some way for us to make our own ketchup. We've made it before, we'll but with packets. Tomato up there. Exactly. Just but we've it. used we've made we've used ketchup making like things. I wanna we have a lot of tomatoes. That's one thing that we're we turn it into ketchup right now, so we're gonna That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make this batch that we are that we're condensing down to ketchup. But but it'll have the, seeds in it. The squeeze. The squeeze we'll have to, it out. We'll have to you like pour it into the squeeze the bottle. Does, does ketchup really? You need it to be squeezy. But you can go to the dollar store and you can buy the old-fashioned ones that are like round with a little pointy tip and okay. stuff. Yeah, no, we're making wrong. We're ketchup. making ketchup. That's what we're doing right now. That's that's what we we're have. Gonna do. Five we're gonna make ketchup pots right now, full of tomatoes. I wish I could take the camera and over and go show you guys. I actually, we're a little bit late. So I had to go change my shirt because I got ketchup. ketchup. We'll, we'll call it ketchup. It's gonna be ketchup. So it's gonna be ketchup. We're that's it. I'm done. I'm finished. Yeah, but I can't. Okay, right. what do you have now? You, were, I, I interrupted you. You said, I got this clip. Okay, so Nigel Farage went on a uh, war for using cash. Okay? It's kind of cool. And <laughs> they asked the GB viewers to collect the signatures of it. 300,000 So it's, it's like a Brexit vote. Yeah, I love you it. You guys know how Brexit was done. They collect enough signatures. To get a petition. And it was like a 50 plus vote. Yeah. Uh, they got democracy over there. Uh, I, I, I'm not for democracy, but I like this. All right, so play this clip first. Um, and we're going to talk about the, um, <clears throat> the cashless society. So Gerard Peleshka is the owner of Griffin Pub in Brentford. He is offering 50p. Off Pen, of that pence? pence, yeah, off of every pint for cons cons customers who pay in cash. Now, I just honestly, the cash thing is great, and you know your discount's fine. But the story that I, I want you to hear and catch is how he um, gets all of his stuff locally. So a pub isn't just for beer. I mean, you go there to eat your chips, which are French fries, by the way, um, and food. So would you play this clip here from Nigel and just see the local? the local economy here now it's very difficult for small businesses who are forced to take credit cards because they finish up of course having to pay quite big fees and this i think is perhaps the reason why gerhard Pereska, who's the landlord of the griffin pub in brentford he'd rather have cash 
than pay these big fees. Now, this pub is very much a football pub, and he gets big crowds of people in. I think the next game is against Palace on the 26th, uh, when Brentford when are uh, at home. And he has said, we're offering 50p off every pint if you pay in cash. Well, that sounds like my kind of pub. And Gerhard joins us live from the pub right now. This is awesome. Good evening. Now, I understand that the credit card companies charge you fees, and that can be many hundreds of pounds every month. But 50p off a pint, it's, it's a bit rash, Gerhard, isn't it? No, it's not. See, we, we done this initiative last Sunday uh, as a trial. Um, as a small business, as we are, we are a small business, we are a backstreet pub in Brentford. Um, you want to see, you want to find out ways to save money because lot, uh, the cost of living at the moment is incredible, absolutely incredible. You just want to see where you can save money. So we look through the uh, card payments and it can vary from a normal month where the card payments are 400 pounds. When the football season starts, the card payments go up to a thousand pounds. So we have to pay a thousand pounds to get our money back. And the knock-on effect is that, that everyone just pays with cards, with credit cards, and the fees, like you just said, vary. Of course they do. Credit cards are incredible. The debit cards, not okay, but still, you know, it's, it's a burden on you. So, because we are a small pub, and yes, football is, is, a, is a massive part of our pub, doing the week, I'm cooking, I'm the chef in here, you know, and we get all our local products from local suppliers. So this is your fishman who has a fishmongers in Twickenham. Yeah. You know, he goes to the market every day, he calls me, I've got this, this and this, I'll pay him cash in hand. The reason for that is because we like to pay all our suppliers straight away because it's, it's a knock-on effect, it's a vicious circle. If we don't pay him, he cannot pay the people in the in the market. It's the same with the veg supplier, it's the same with the meat supplier, and it's the same with the, with the crisp man. The crisp man comes in every two weeks, he's in the van, he hasn't got any car machines, he, he wants cash. You get your, your invoice, and you pay him, that's it. It's the same with the, the window cleaner. The window cleaner hasn't got a car machine with yeah. him. Yeah. He wants cash. Yeah. So he gives us the invoice, it goes through the business, and that's it. You know, it's, it's so important for small businesses to have the cash flow going. A lot of business go under because there's no cash flow. And we, throughout the years now, figured out the best way to do it is all the small suppliers we have, we pay them cash on delivery. So we have no bills end of the month. That means, so there's not money going in all the time in the bank, and the banks, of course, charge you. So they, the card machine people charge you to uh, get the money. So we pay them to get the money from them, and then the money goes into a bank account, business account, and then the bank charges us again. So a 50 pound payment, for instance, could turn out, if someone gives it to you in cash, you got 50 pounds to pay Adam, Peter, John, everyone. But if you get 50 pounds on the card payment, that means, with all the deductions you got from the banks and the card machine providers, that you maybe only get forty-seven pounds. You know, that's three yeah. pounds. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. multiply well, it times throughout the month. It's all money that's missing in the end. Gerhard, I tell you what, you've put the case so and clearly, so eloquently, and you're quite right. For small businesses, often they have to wait a hell of a long time to get paid, so cash on delivery is good for everybody. Um, you put the case so well uh, that when the FCA have their hearing on debanking and cash, I'm going to try and bring you along as a witness, because you put the case beautifully. Congratulations <laughs> on your initiative of 50p off, and hey, I tell you what, if, if, <laughs> I'm in you your part, if I'm in your part of the world, I'm coming in through the front door, and I may be there for some time. It's a real 
real pleasure. Real <laughs> okay. I want to I want to sit on this for a second because first of all that guy was extremely well spoken and I think that he should be called as a witness uh, when Nigel and, and the gang get this thing going, um, but everything he actually laid it out because because what Nigel was essentially getting at I think is that fifty pence per pint would be more than the actual fee that the credit card would be charging so why would he be giving more of an incentive and he said. Honestly, I think that what the goal is, is that if you incentivize people to pay cash for a pint, you will be incentivizing them to pay cash for an entire bill, whether like if it's a, it's, if it's a food bill, right? And so you're getting the 50%, 50 cent off the pint, but you're not getting up any kind of pence off of your, or percentage off of your food bill, but you're still paying cash because you're in that this pub likes cash mindset and so he's saving this money what i also loved is essentially what he was saying is you guys pay us in cash and then we've got a bunch of cash so when the fishmonger comes by when the vegetable person comes by when the window cleaner comes by that money goes straight from our cash register right to them and doesn't have to go into the bank and i will say this and i don't care if i get kicked off of facebook for saying this they can also avoid the government that way if they wanted to. And I'm not saying that they should, but what I'm saying is that is the number one reason why they, the powers that be, are so terrified yeah. of cash. Because yeah. all of this stuff can exchange hands and we can actually and move. And it can't be tracked. And it can't be tracked or traced. That's why they hate cash. Absolutely. They hate cash because it can't be tracked or traced. That's why um, they've been... Um, cracking down on like eBay or Venmo. Right. right. They're like, well, if it's done over an electronic, you know, conveyance, then you have to pay taxes on that. And then they lowered in America the rate that, that you need to uh, have to report. It used to be like $40,000. Oh, I know. Uh, and yeah. now it's like 600. Yeah. So here's the deal. I just really loved that video because <laughs> he was getting fish from the local fish. fishmonger fisherman fishmonger i guess is the middle guy he oh, must really? be the middleman okay you got fishermen you know what else i like he's like i'm the cook here it's his business he cooks the food he feels it so here's here's the deal this is why you can go to the uk eat more food and lose weight right i know there's a lot of overweight people in the uk they're just eating more food i'm just telling That'd you they nice. are no, I mean, like, I, what I'm saying is that you can eat more food in Europe and you can eat more food in the UK and still say, stay regular. And you know, slim. the reverse, it's better to say, I'm not even better, but like, uh, not only do we know people that will go to Europe and lose weight, but we also know people from the UK that move here and they are oh. just, they're like, I've just gained, I've never been this I big in my life. Same Everybody from Europe comes here and says, yeah, I've never been this big in my life. I'm 10 pounds heavier, I'm 20 pounds heavier. What is happening to me? Asians, the same thing. I, they're like, I'm eating the same exact kinds of food, but you're not. Right. Okay, because you're not eating your local. So here's the difference. I was just thinking about this, this whole big thing today. Um, I was thinking about how uh, we've done a lot of shows on how cattle and sheep. Now, there's a lot of rules and regulations in the UK for how yeah, you Yeah, cuz they're not perfect. I watched Clarkson's Clarkson's farm. I know. But the reason they set up all those rules and regulations is because of sin. Right. And they want their animals to be fed uh, good food and mostly on grass. Right. So the, from what I understand, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, you don't have a lot of the CAFOs, the confinement operations that we have. Your um your whether it's your sheep and you guys eat a lot of mutton. So those sheep are literally just eating all this grass, just wandering around, having a happy life, no stress. Right, there are sheep everywhere in the UK, and so and, and so when they're eating their sausage, right, they're they're eating a lot of mixed sausage, a lot of uh, mutton. They're eating a lot. Of, you just say lamb, right? Lamb, mutton, lamb. Yeah. And and so 
it's a different quality and quantity. The animal is treated differently. The right. life, the farmers, the British farmers, they they love their animals. And I'm not, and, and I am going to say this. Most American farmers don't even have the ability to love their animals. Right. Because if you have 2,000 milk cows, you don't know them. How can you love them? Right. And you... How do you, you can't you find one that you, you can't, you can, you don't, you don't really, you know, get to know them. And the, the, what I love about our world news show on Sundays is that we're constantly playing videos of, of farmers and people who are loving on their animals yeah. and loving what they do. Right. right. And their animals are loved back. So anyways, that, let me read some comments from Barry who actually is in the UK. So he says, uh, Michelle, one of my customers it actually makes tomato ketchup by hand. It is very expensive to buy, but it tastes fantastic. It's made on a farm called Tip Tree Farm Jams. Um, he says that there's a, a video here. We may, if we get time later, we might play that. So remind me in the end. Um, pints of beer in the UK now are somewhere between five pounds and eight pounds, depending on where you are in the UK. He says, I live in Wales now, as you know, everywhere I look, we have sheep, cattle, chicken, ducks, all running free in the fields. So free range really does mean free range because here in America, I hope by now you guys would know this from watching our show, but if you buy something that says cage-free for the chickens, like cage-free eggs, it doesn't mean free-range. It doesn't mean... And even free-range doesn't mean free-range. It just means they're, they're not in it a just literal mean, cage. They're in exactly. a building. They're usually. in a building roaming around, but not like... A lot of times they are in confinement, and it's just so... Most, almost all the time. All the eggs that we eat. So in the UK... There's something incredibly different about their eggs. They don't refrigerate them because they don't wash them. Right. And um, you're you're more likely to get food even at the restaurants. Right. Made with cage, made with free range chickens. Right. Now here in America, we do have a. a, a what's so funny is that our fancy restaurants that cost an arm and a leg, ha, will source local ingredients like this. Right. But you know that it there, actually should be the, the opposite. If when you really break down right things. Getting your food from a local farmer that lives down the street mm -hmm. should be cheaper than getting, like, let's say, eggs from three states away. Yeah. And, okay. And that get shipped on a truck, but it's because they can grow it in bulk and they can they can grow it in uh, with cheaper food that they're feeding the chickens and stuff. It well, shouldn't be that way. And people in America are all like super keto, right? Yeah. Well, and they don't want to eat bread, but in France, all these super thin people eat bread like. Two to three times a day. I know. Okay. And Do you remember when you first started grinding our wheat and I lost 10 pounds? Yeah. Like Leah started grinding our wheat and it was just all this weight fell off of me because, oh, and I was able to eat more bread than ever in my life all because it was, it, ha it was that nutrient dense bread. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you're going to go over a couple more of these. Uh, he, this is his, him with the, uh, don't kill cash. This right next sign to it. here. Um, it's somewhere there. Yeah, it is right next to it. And I want to play a couple of videos. Is that a giant? It's a giant piggy bank, mm -hmm. which I think is awesome, by the way. All right. So if you go to the then next I one. I show them the pictures. Okay. And then here they are walking to yeah, just, number 11. You can skip it because I'm going to play the video. I know. I'm just showing them the pictures. I'm not skipping pictures. Okay. It's like a picture book. Thank you, Patriot Gallery got Leah's earrings from this. Here they go. They're going to hold them to account. 
Nigel's looking poised as ever. A lot of people will be quite thrilled to see him on Downing Street Pip. Some may be chilled. <laughs> and this petition, it's all thanks to you, our viewers. So thank you for getting behind our Don't Kill Cash petition because so many of you have contacted us saying that you're really unhappy about how we're moving towards a cashless society. Millions of people affected by this and millions of people still relying on cash. So Martin yeah. has the petition in his hands there. Not Martin, you're Martin. Nigel <laughs> has the petition in his hands and uh, they are making their way to number 11 yeah. with the petition. Not quite sure who's going to answer the door. Don't know whether Jeremy hunts in, but somebody will be there to yeah. receive it. They're going past number 10 there. Um, Bev Turner was hoping that Rishi Sunak had some rosé on chill. They've gone past his door. Um, there's a stepladder there. Um, they're hoping to Rishi's going to be there. Jeremy Hunt, there they go. They're knocking on the door. Don't forget, this is GB News holding power to account. Thanks to you, the viewers who piled into the petition. We know how ca important cash is to you. There goes Nigel, thundering on the door. It's being answered. They've sent out a policeman, a lackey. Can we, can we hear anything? Handing over the envelope, GB News envelope there to security. As Bev and Liam looking proud as punch. And it would be lovely just if this, as this petition has been handed in, if we could get to that magic 300,000 signature. That's right. You, Not far off. You haven't signed yet. Please do get involved. There's Michelle. There's Patrick. Patrick, by the way, will be with us at 3 p.m. I understand he's going to be whisked into a taxi straight after this to get back here for Patrick Christie's live from 3 p.m. He won't miss a beat and have the full inside story of what's been going on on the ground there at Downing Street. We can only hope him that they open this petition, they listen to the people, to the GB News viewers, and they actually do something about it. Okay. Yes, sir. So thank you. There's a couple more. These were videos were taken um, when they had a quarter of a million signatures and uh, they have reached their number. Okay, so different. also just to differentiate, because I was really confused when it said number 11, because apparently I don't know anything in the UK. I know number 10, the residence of the prime minister. Number 11 is actually the residence that's right next to it. And it's the official residence of the chancellor of the exchequer, um, who traditionally also has the title of the second Lord of the treasury. So it's just to the left of number 10. All right, so um, yeah, go ahead and you can just play a couple more here. At the red line. Hang on, I'm big. Oh, it's just six. Down to go for an appointment at number 11 Downing Street to present this. It's the Don't Kill Cash campaign. Five of us going to knock on the door of number 11. And 300,000 people have signed this in short order. Don't kill cash, it matters. Okay. That's awesome. So Leah takes back what she no, said. No, the last one said 250, so they must have reached the 300,000. Okay. Well, when they actually dropped it off, it had 300,000. Okay. That's what he was saying. But the real problem here is if we kill cash, not only do we wipe out lots of small traders all over the country, uh, leaving them at the mercy of the card providers who charge ever higher percentages on their sales. But I mean, what, for example, if you're running a fish stall in a place without the Internet? I mean, you know, you've got no option but to take cash. And what I've seen with my debanking campaign is a very, very deliberate effort by the banks to drive cash out of the system. You go to your bank and try and withdraw a reasonably large sum of cash. They'll ask you what it's for. They may not let you do it. And more seriously, you go and try, pay, you go and, try and pay cash into a bank mm. and they're now putting limits 
monthly and yearly limits on what businesses can pay in. So once again, all of these changes might suit people in London, but it doesn't suit the little man and woman outside of London. Longer term, my biggest fear is this. From 2030, we will have in this country a form of central bank digital currency. Rishi Sunak and the government are fully in favor of this. They're actively recruiting people right now. If we get to that, the state will be able to control how we spend our money, and that would be a serious loss of freedom. So for lots of reasons, keeping cash as legal tender makes sense. And I think really, for a channel like ours, that's just two years old, to have gathered over a quarter of a million signatures in short order tells you it's a real issue. Steve, mm. what? But we still need. Let me finish playing this. Video? No, it's fine. You can play the next one. We still need you guys to go back to and us too to a gold real and silver. silver. But honestly, this is this is the last ditch effort that you have before we're going over the cliff of mm. the CBDCs. Oh, and the GB News petition to keep cash was a success. I hope it was handed over as paper, Paul. <laughs> yes, good point. Nigel Farage hands over GB News Don't Kill Cash petition to number 11 with 300,000 signatures. This is actually a remarkable story um, because many might say that they, you know, that they're totally unaware of this, but it depends on what community you live in, okay? So it, this, is, this is protecting a certain type of working class person, as far as I'm concerned. And I'm proud to have signed this. I think that cash should remain on the table and it should be freely available to help the working classes. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently there's a million, million people in this country that don't have a bank account. Sorry, yeah. a million households. I was amazed Isn't to hear that, that. I mean, how do you function? Yeah, how do you pay bills and things like that without... Uh... Like, do you, I guess you can go, still go down to the post office and pay with the, the slips. This, yeah. this is why I said it's about the working class. I'm not just trying to crowbar it in. Because, you know, all three of us live quite comfortably within a middle class existence, you know, and we, we, we don't understand that. But there are massive swathes of society that earn far less than a lot of people who will complain about this do. Yeah. And they, and they, su they survive very much on cash. And it's a generational thing as well, because, yeah, uh, you know, like my, my parents, well, my, my dad in particular, you know, he, he just, he's all his life he's dealt with cash and he's not going to go into the internet and set up accounts and remember passwords and all that sort of stuff. I mean, yeah. for, for him, that would be like, you know, being Q in James Bond. Do you know, the <laughs> only kind of cyber hacker. thing about this, I was talking to one of the producers earlier and his parents asked him, how can they sign it? They don't have an email address. They don't yeah. use the internet at all. Yeah. It's such a shame. It's like, ah, why can't you do it by post? But anyway, 300,000 people. Yeah. Very nice. Amazing. Anyway, staying on the theme of cash, The Telegraph has good news for octogenarians who like using cash. You'll only have to hobble three miles to get it, Cressida. Brilliant. Banks must offer cash within three miles of your home. So, City Minister Andrew Griffin uh, is set to announce that the City Watchdog will be given the powers to issue penalties for not following the rules. So, there'll be... There'll be consequences if people don't have cash near their homes. Um, but actually, it, it's already the case that most people do live near a cash point. So really, this is just about preserving the rules going forward. Yeah, and it's interesting because we see a lot of branches closing. And I'm always fascinated by this. If this was a branch of a clothing outlet that was closing, you'd say, well, business is bad. They can't afford to have so many branches. But banks make an average of about 150% profit right. per annum. Right. So there's no real financial reason why they're closing. So you have to look at the wider picture. And they're just making it more and more difficult for people to access cash. They're just saying, basically, um, if you want to act, if you if you want to spend money, you need to do it digitally. Yeah, well, people are spending much more money digitally with contactless and stuff like that. And there is a there, there are higher charges with handling cash. 
And I've noticed, I've noticed pain because I, I, I try and use cash whenever I can. And a lot of people don't, just don't know how to like count change. They don't hand you your change or they give you the wrong change because they're not used to, to people cash. People don't take it. Well, we, we had a bit of a running joke on a recent family holiday. My dad took a load of cash with him and he couldn't spend this stuff. He didn't know what to, <laughs> at the end, he's just got all this cash and everyone's laughing at him going, what are you going to do with that old man? <laughs> yeah, it's like when you go to, you know, one of those theme parks and you buy their You're own token money. No good anyway. <laughs> So I remember uh, watching a or listening to a video once of a, of a guy in the UK who um, wanted to use his real silver pounds. Mm -hmm. And he actually was able to use them. He went to court and the court said, no, it is legal tender. It does say that this is, has X amount of value on it. But why would you do it, though? Because, you know, that's the question. It has more value if you if you spend it at, at its face value, like this silver dollar right here. If I spend this at its face value of $1, but it costs me roughly with a premium $35 to get it, why would you spend it as a dollar? Um, I can't remember exactly why, but it was a really big deal for him in mm. that video. You didn't watch it? No, I remember it. I just don't remember why someone would do that. I want to read a couple of comments here. Lorraine says, I'm getting more this week. Silver, 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 she says. Um... Barry says, where I now live in Wales, I am surrounded by hills and mountains. My mobile phone doesn't work half of the time, so electronic payments, which use the internet and mobile signals, won't and never will work for around half of the time. So cash is a necessity in the areas of the UK that are mountainous. And you know that's actually a really good point when it comes to, um, we have mountainous regions and rural regions here in the United States where, again... It, you would not be able to use a cashless society because the internet just isn't there. Okay, so this was the story. A commemorative coin collector who was arrested after attempting to pay for his fuel at a petrol station with a hundred pound coin, insisting it was legal tender, has been awarded a 5,000 pound compensation payout, payout, payout. Brett Chamberlain, 54, a carpenter and father of four, had attempted to pay uh, for 60 pounds of diesel at a Tesco extra filling station in uh, Exeter in <clears throat> in July of 2020 using a silver coin commemorating London's Trafalgar Square, only 45,000 of which, which were, were ever issued by the Royal Mint, and it was released in 2016. His offer was rejected by the staff, leading to a row with Mr. Chamberlain. The police were called and the tradesman was arrested on suspicion of making off without payment and interviewed by the officers. Not satisfied, Mr. Chamberlain uh, commenced legal action complaining that he had not received an adequate apology, they apologized, um, or an assurance the incident would be removed from the police national computer. They interrogated me. They wanted to prosecute me for using Royal Mint coins. You couldn't make this up. I was trying to spend money like any other citizen. I always use the coins to buy my fuel. Morrison's, Asada, and Sansbury's have taken them, but Tesco's are always difficult. Tesco said it would not accept commemorative coins as it is not considered to be circulating legal tender. Also commenting on the case, Devon and Cornwall Police says, we have taken steps to recognize and rectify the issues raised by this case. Under UK law, a person cannot be sued over a debt if they have attempted to complete a transaction in question using legal tender. All Royal Mint coins would be considered as such in the eyes of the court. However, a shop or bank is not obliged to accept cash payments in any currency larger than a 50-pound note. Uh, equally, they do not have to accept payments in one pence, two pence coins for anything that costs less than 20 pence. <laughs> That's funny. Um, so it's, you mean more than? Yeah. So that was that was the case, and I do believe that they found that they somehow I think when he was using those coins, um, that he had gotten them for cheaper somehow. 
So he hmm. was using them. Okay. Yeah. I would still sell them for the value, but that's just me. I'll keep them, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Strange. Oh, I think he, let's see, he purchased 20, nope, 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 okay, jeez, always adds, right? I consent, okay, whatever. I think he had, he had purchased a bunch, so at one time, and then wanted to use them a little, so uh, he purchased 29,000 pounds worth of 100 pound silver coins in 2019 with an incentive of earning loyalty points using his American Express card. Ah, His plan okay. was to buy the coins, collect his points from the card company, and routinely deposit the coins into his bank account. Interesting. So, uh, one slight problem, the bank was advised by the Royal Mint that they were not obliged to accept the coins. They, ha they may have a legal tender status, but they are essentially issued by the Treasury for collector purposes and not intended as a means of commerce or payment. Thus, the HSBC exercised their right to refuse the man's deposit. The story made headlines, and he was struck. Uh, he was stuck with twenty-nine thousand pounds worth of a hundred-pound denominated coins, with just a little over ten thousand pounds in silver, in silver bullion. It was a hard lesson, but actually, he was using them. And um, you know, I can now now I understand why he he bought them and decided to use them. I'm surprised that a coin collector wouldn't have bought them from him like he could have sold them for more than just spending them at a lesser well value. They, they made i don't know they made i don't know they made these 100 pound coins just for people to hold on to and to look at but eh. that still is very interesting to me that like because if i were to to take this one dollar um this silver dollar to my bank they would accept this and they would accept it at a dollar like they would have to do that here in the united states so i'm surprised that they don't have to do that in the UK. Crazy. All right. So let's go over to uh, Canada and see what's happening with these uh, crazy wildfires. If you start over here, in, um, I think at the... I, um, I think I got it right here. No? Yeah, that's the picture. So <laughs> Jordan Peterson says, the fires aren't that big. There's that many fires, but obviously they're not taking up that much space because that would be silly, right? They, that would just mean the whole, they're all gone. All like of Canada was on, on fire. fire. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I do want to play a few of these videos of the fire that is happening, fires that have broken out um, in yes. Canada. I am at Sutherland Beach. Look at this. Every, all these people are here. This is insane. So you guys are watching with us. Um, oh, is that a dog? No, shoot. So you're, you guys are watching with us. There's not. There hasn't been a lot of commentary on the wildfires here in Canada, but I know that they've they've kicked back up and they are approaching a lot of homes. I think. 30,000 people have had to be evacuated. Officials in Western Canada's British Columbia and Florida. Another one starting over there. Tens of thousands right of residents there. to heed evacuation orders Saturday as rapidly evolving wildfires threaten large parts of the scenic uh, Okanaga Valley, including the city of Kelo, Kelo, how did she say it? Kelowna, Kelowna? The situation in the popular boating and hiking destination was highly dynamic and Bowen um, 
Manitoba, the province's, I believe that's what it is, Ministers for Emergency Management. Around 30,000 people were under evacuation orders. You can play some more videos. While under 30, 000, another 30,000 were under alert to be uh, ready to flee. You don't have to mute it because I want you people to hear well, it. Well, it's really loud. So wh why are these people still there? Like, I'm like, get, and that's the thing. I saw the, the you're, you're watching these people standing there watching these fires. And I'm like, first of all, I guess if there were wildfires, I would either be running the opposite direction or going to help somebody or something. Like, this is just, I mean, these firefighters are having to, like, outrun this fire. I mean, this is, and I get the firefighters should be there. But, like, the regular people, it's like, has been under a state of emergency because of the nearly 100 wildfires currently burning in that region alone. Since then, more than 3,000 square miles of land have burned. The BBC reports the fires are so bad because when the winter snow melts, it exposes the twigs, branches, and dead leaves beneath, which experts call fuel. Warm temperatures and dry conditions increase the fuel's flammability. These wildfires have sent smoke to several U.S. states. Okay, including that might be an older clip. That feels like that was an older clip. Uh, I'll go ahead and play uh, the it next says one. August 19th, I know. But might have I think that's. It. Yeah, I think. But I'm not sure. This is. Um, I think it's just Cologne. So more than a thousand homes were affected so far. Nearly um, 186,000 people. 68,000 people have been evacuated. But this is heavy rain in Mexico. I guess it's a compilation. to the next one please so i don't know we covered this a little bit this girl is talking about the fact that um facebook ha has not made the a deal that with um justin trudeau's government mm -hmm. justin trudeau's government uh has made it so that you can't um on social media share posts you just said from, facebook has not made a deal they haven't made a deal oh, okay okay um with the canadian government that that she can't get news on facebook in places because um, from any Canadian news because it is blocked and Justin Trudeau's has blocked it. I cannot handle another ounce of Justin Trudeau in this country. So the area that I live in is literally on fire. People are being evacuated, wildfires everywhere. And you see this right here? You go to CTV News and us as Canadians, we can't even see what is going on in our country because of new laws that Justin Trudeau has passed. We can't see it. So what, has this turned into a, a communist country now? I just, it, I just, I don't have any words. I'm just, I am so done with Canada. S just so done. 
I cannot have And a lot of people are like, well, just download the uh, Canadian Broadcasting app. I'm like, well, I wouldn't want to download the Canadian Broadcasting app on my phone either. Right. Okay, and there's a couple more here. British Columbia declares a state of emergency. He can't look, Leona. I know he can't. We just got to get through it before it falls. Oh, my God. Then this is another one at the, the lake next to it. I guess these people feel safe because they're on the other side of the lake, which it makes total sense, but I'm still thinking they did myself, have like, a fire jump lake. There's another one know. starting this over there. But right there. I guess I just then it was getting hot, I go, oh, I'm going home. <laughs> you know, I would be preparing my family, my home, I would be making phone calls. So I'm yeah. not trying to judge these people, I'm just confused. Yeah, okay. The next video shows how quickly the fire spread. For our podcasters, um, starts little and then it just takes over a giant swath of land. And it does, look, it does jump over mm -hmm. there. So It does jump the lake, so. that again. Mm -hmm. Like, so we're not, I'm not crazy. No, and if you click over to um, this particular YouTube, I believe, uh, this one. Now, in other news, wildfires in Canada are threatening tens of thousands of people in British Columbia, which is now under a state of emergency. 30,000 people have been told to leave their homes, with another 36,000 warned they may need to do the same imminently. Our correspondent Peter Bowes has this report. Oh my God. The intensity of the flames is terrifying. Moving rapidly over a vast area, there are more than a thousand wildfires burning throughout Canada. About a third of them are in British Columbia, where 30,000 people have been told to leave their homes. Another 36,000 have been warned they may have to evacuate at any moment. Kelowna, a popular tourist destination about 180 miles east of Vancouver, is on the edge of a huge inferno. The fire has already destroyed several homes in the smaller community of West Kelowna, with embers from that blaze travelling in the wind over a lake to ignite more structures. So it Officials in have the wind urged the public to cancel all non-essential travel to the region. At this time, we are strongly recommending that people with plans to travel to fire-affected areas throughout the central interior and southeast in the coming days to cancel those plans. We need tourists and travellers to take this situation as seriously as the residents of these areas do. To the north, Yellowknife, the capital of Canada's Northwest Territories, is now a ghost town. Over two days, almost the entire population of 20,000 people were evacuated from their homes, leaving the city by road and air to escape a fire encroaching on their community. Officials said it had been an extraordinary achievement to get everyone out. The fire, caused by lightning a month ago, is still threatening the city, although cooler conditions have slowed its progress. But gusty winds are forecast and officials fear they could further propel the fire 
towards the city boundaries. This is an epic struggle for firefighters. Reinforcements have been brought in from as far away as South Africa, with local resources stretched to the limit. In a nation used to forest fires, this countrywide crisis has reached a level never seen before. Peter Bowes, BBC News. So, well, earlier on, I spoke to Laura Wilson at the Central Okanagan Emergency Operations Centre. She gave me the very latest. Uh, yes, we've been, we're three days into a very incredible firefight here in central Okanagan. We are currently still dealing with three active fires in the area, which has seen the evacuation of uh, 10,000 uh, homes, um, as well as another 10,000 people who are on evacuation alert in our area. It is a little bit of a calmer night here, which is fantastic. Uh, we do still have many crews on the ground, both our local crews as well as crews from around the province. I do want to come to, to the emergency response uh, in a bit. Tell us about the damage so far, though. Yeah, so we do know that we have lost structures in the area on all three of these fires. At this point, this still remains a very active fire zone here, and our uh, focus still is on firefighting. Talk to us about the response then. We heard in that report crews from as far as South Africa. How have local officials in Canada, in British Columbia, been dealing with this? We're incredibly grateful for the support from all levels, from national, provincial, or here in the Okanagan. Uh, we have local crews that have come from all around in neighboring communities, as well as across the province. And we know we have national support coming as well. Um, this is incredibly important as we work together. Uh, okay, as a you can pause big, that. Uh, so Canada is experiencing a record-setting wildfire season with official estimates of more than uh, 34 million acres already being burned, roughly the size of Greece. Wow. About four people have died, which puts in perspective the like over 100 that have died in Lahaina as the greatest wildfire, probably. And they're saying 100, but the locals there going, those numbers can't even be real because I saw the bodies, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're looking at like 500 to 1,000. And um, honestly, I don't. I'm not going to come at this today from a conspiracy theory angle. We can cover that later on. But I, I will say this, that sometimes in our rush to label something as being a D-E-W or whatever started by someone that has some sort of nefarious means and purposes, we forget that if you need to make a claim on your insurance for this, what is it going to be called, Leah? An act of God. So I want all of us, because we've been talking, and I'm not, I am not saying this is God's judgment, but what I am saying is we need to be very careful here, guys, because we've been prophesying for months and even years that God's heavy hand of judgment is about to descend. And how much like the devil for him to want to be taking credit, like, oh, it's me. It's me telling these evil people to do all of these things instead of us looking at it like a Sodom and Gomorrah type moment, which makes you fear God, right? Mm -hmm. But what that the narrative of it's always the globalists, it's always those people makes us feel like we have to fear the devil instead of fearing God and writing our lives accordingly. Yeah, I think that number one thing, if, if, our, if our number one response isn't to pray and ask God, then... And we, to repent. 
How would we expect him to Regardless come? of who it is, even if it is the New World Order or whatever, we should be repenting. Yeah. And praying yeah. and asking for God's blessings. Because here's the thing. This is often what happens with God. God's judgments throughout history is he just allows evil to go and take over. And he doesn't stop it. Right. So asking God to come in and repent and say, God, we need your blessings. We need you to come and take care of us. We need you to keep us safe. And you know, our founding fathers used to do that. Every time, time something would that. come up, they would do a national day of fasting and prayer. Make sure and it the wasn't fact, something that they had like, done. Why haven't we as Americans in support of Canadians or in support of Lahaina declared a national day of fasting and prayer or statewide days of fasting and prayer to pray for God to heal these things? I want to national day of fasting and prayer to get our food system back on right but i'm just saying when these kinds of tragedies come everybody's so ready to just send their their bucks to to uh the red cross so they can keep going to their no. starbucks and not have to actually change anything in their own personal lives no that's what i'm saying i'm saying if if bill gates is taking over it's because we're god is letting him but it's not because he's letting him because jesus is going to come back and rapture us all out of here he's letting him because we dropped the ball god can only work through the people right god can move when we repent when we put on our breastplate of righteousness right and we go to him and we ask him to do things that's the way he designed you know it. um i need to tell you this though because david Sorensen. Is doing amazing things in the Stop in the Netherlands. World control. So um, let me bring that up because and they are doing it. Like they are repenting. They are seeking. That God. is what I'm talking about. So we covered the fact that how did where is he? David Sorensen. There it was. Just go down. Where? No, you had it. There it is. Down. All right. So that's not the David Sorensen I need. Here he is. Okay. So you guys know we had David Sorensen on our show. He does. He has Stop World Control. He is amazing. There is a network of spirit-filled, radical, awesome Christians and patriots in the Netherlands. Right. Their government, the Dutch government, imploded, and we did that show a couple of weeks ago, right. two or three three weeks ago. Well, what you don't know, what you may not know, is that these Dutch farmers have risen up and they're praying. And these Christians, these radical Christians are praying and praying and praying and praying. So let me see if I can... Uh, Translate it. <laughs> not this one. He has a couple of them. It might be a while. So they're, they're, they are handing out flyers. I think it, about ending sex trafficking. Um, and so if you didn't know this, the Flemish people are Belgian, by the way. Okay. So, um, and this is kind of a cool geographical history thing so the netherlands people in the netherlands and people in belgium they cross over a lot so when you see david is often talking about the dutch and the flemish uh they're working together on a lot of things so the, the so the dutch and um the belgians we would know them as as belgians um he's talking about these flyers and it's so neat to see people are all handing out these flyers he says uh, for the second time, our emails, which reach 360,000 people every day, are being censored. I have published a very revealing report on the agenda of the world domination and the various crimes against humanity of the World Economic Forum, the WHO, UN. In that report, I exposed their practices of Satanism and child murder uh, using many evidences and witnesses. As a result, a high authority is putting pressure on the company that sends our emails to remove us. 
They're clearly scared uh, of the reveals I'm making, which is a good sign. It's a shame that this is happening because a wonderful series of 50 emails can no longer be sent. I'm not sure how many that is. Censorship of our emails has happened several uh, years ago. Uh, there is no stopping us. Uh, we are just moving to another email company. Uh, so prayer on them. So when we asked um, Corey what these flyers were, he wants to hand out a million flyers. And um, I believe it's oh, uh, it's it's a, uh, exposing the, the, the sex trafficking. And if you guys go to stopworldcontrol.com, uh, he's got all of the sites where you can find David Sorensen and, and what he's doing. Uh, it's absolutely, it's just crazy. But powerful. he is right there in the mix of what's going on in the, in the Netherlands. And I will say this, if you guys have been tuning into our Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, you understand of the increase of God's government and peace, there will be no end. In the Netherlands, there is a giant Revelation Red Pill movement. That's what we call it. But you guys understand it as a kingdom mindset um, happening there. And they are not, the reason why they're fighting back is because they're not sitting on their hands going, well, when the world gets worse and worse, it just must mean that Jesus is coming back. So we better not change it because we'll stop Jesus from coming back. This absurd rapture escapism. They don't, They that narrative is not over there. Like it's there, but not big. The the idea that the kingdom of God spreads and expands and descends from heaven and expands on earth like a little mustard seed. What did Jesus say? Like a little leaven in, in the lump. What is the kingdom of God? It's like something that starts small and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. They get it. So he says, what's going on in the Netherlands? In a short period of time, dozens of politicians res resign. Various departments of the IRS are resigning. And I guess it's theirs. Uh, this is a translation from the Chamber of Commerce. Various police departments are leaving the Chamber of Commerce. Mainstream media is beginning to recognize that the number of awake people is not thousands, but millions. Large numbers of lawyers are choosing sides from the truth and going to fight the corrupt government. Major lawsuits uh, are started against uh, Root and his criminal gang. The truth is coming out how the Netherlands is governed by an uncontrolled shadow power. Millions of people find out that their country is, in fact, run by the undemocratic private World Economic Forum. It has become known how elections are rigged, manipulated to position the agents of these organizations. Several European Commission MPs declare publicly that the pandemic was organized to inject the population with the aim of depopulation. Large numbers of police officers choose the side of government, people, and join the international poli police of freedom. More and more eyewitnesses of the child trafficking organized by the government. I mean, how... The, this is a nation that has um, legalized prostitution, okay? So don't tell me that they don't have child trafficking. Uh, child trafficking organized by the government joined forces with the triad police and researchers to prepare mass exposures. International organizations of psychologists and lawyers join hands with eyewitnesses to child trafficking and are preparing actions. Starting this week, a million flyers of, uh, will be distributed all over the country. Wow. The EU is desperately trying to stop everything by voicing a law that will apply criminal censorship, which will, of course, bring awakening and exposure uh, much more. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. There's still an incredible amount of and more happening globally. We are entering a new era. Continue to spread the truth by all possible ways. Choose the side of law and freedom. A new world is coming. Get up and get involved. I love that. So that's what's happening. That's what they're doing in the um, the, the Netherlands. And you guys can follow David Sorensen and, and his, it, he does, it, Facebook does translate it. And I actually love that he's still allowed to post all this stuff on Facebook. Maybe it's because it's in, I don't know, in Dutch or something, but um, he talks about weaponizing the weather. Okay, so that being said, 
I want to see this update, see if I can translate this. Um, because it's so amazing. Oh, this one won't translate for me. Um, it's so amazing that these people who are speaking an entire different language across the globe are saying all the same things that we're saying. And that's how you know that God is absolutely moving on, on, on everybody's behalf, basically. You're going to try to translate it to English. Okay. That was his email one. No, not that no, one. No, I just did it. It just translated the whole page. So here we go. Um, no, that's good. Okay. Sure? Yeah, that's I good. I just translated it. Yay me. Well, that's all it says. But we read that one. No, I don't know where it went. It just went away. Okay. All right. So once you see the videos of what's going on in um, the Netherlands, and I'll read. This is a translated article. Right? You play the... With the farmers? Yeah, with the, yeah, I'm not sure where it's at. It's over here to the right, the middle. There's two of them. Okay, I'll find it. And uh, you can just watch it because uh, the nobody's really translated this yet, so I've got an article. Uh, several hundred tractors, some people are thinking it's 500 tractors, um, had driven to the park um, in Antwerp to make to take part in demonstration that has been organized by the farmer by the farmer pressure group the uh, farmers defense force the FDF the organizers say there are about a thousand people there the farmers defense force is a Flemish version of a Dutch uh, farmers pressure group with the same name like their Dutch counterparts the Flemish FDS F is opposed to the government's uh, nitrogen's emission policy the FDS uh, Bart Dixon's told Dickens told journalists that Unlike the uh, Bordenbond, a long-established agricultural association, our ranks are made up purely of farmers. We have no political ambitions and are not partisan either. However, we want people to listen to us because now our farmers are being driven to extinction. According to the FDF, the Flemish government presents incorrect figures on nitrogen emissions from agriculture in order to favor industry, citing a recent deal that will ensure that planning permission will be granted for the construction of a factory at the point of Antwerp. I have nothing against the... Uh, INO's factory project in Antwerp, but they are going to get planning permission again in a few months after this was arranged behind closed doors. They will be given exemptions and we in agriculture cannot enjoy. So I guess there is, what they're saying is that, you know, um, they do not want these farmers to be growing food. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're limiting, they're saying that nitrogen uh, is, is polluting when in reality what they want to build because they're, where is the food going to come from that they're growing? Right. It's not, it, it's, they have no answer for that. Right. The Dutch are the best farmers in the world. They have it in their blood, and I'll say it every single show. They literally are the best farmers in the entire world. They're amazing. And again, I mean, most of you know this already, but just to kind of recap, the Dutch government is trying to crack down on farmers using nitrogen, and, uh, it, and, and it's and a land grab. actually not increased nitrogen uses by per, by percentage since 1960. And what kind of percentage? They've actually just been better and better at farming. Do we remember the number of the world's food that is grown in the, in the Netherlands? They're the second largest exporter of food. And, so, the, and so out of everybody in the whole world, they haven't increased their nitrogen use mm -hmm. since 1960. Mm -hmm. And yet they are the farmers where the Nether, where their country is saying, we're going to take your land unless you reduce your nitrogen. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, shut you down. are you kidding me? But it, why? 
because there's a, a giant vast majority of the land in the Netherlands is used for farming and they don't have any room to expand industrialization. And, and, and so they want the opposite of, of environmentalists. So, and, and so in, in the name of being green and saying, well, we want to be green and we want to have these farmers use less this, nitrogen. They're trying to take their land so that they can build big high risers. This is what makes me so angry. This is, this is what legit makes me want to go on some sort of crazy weird rant um, because I believe it's 80%. I don't look it up. Uh, how much land, land percentage uh, that that is agricultural in the Netherlands? I, I, I thought I read that it was 80%. Okay, it's, 50, it's 52%. Um, but it does say a relatively small part territory is earmarked for buildings and for roads. Of the total surface area of the Netherlands, 54% is used as farmlands. And that's just farmlands. Okay. That's actually a huge percentage. And so the rest by the would way. be like we're talking about surface area. Yeah, we're, there's you've got trees, you've got waterways. Okay, yeah. the question would be of usable land is yeah. used. How much of usable land is used for farming? Well, at fifty-eight percent of it is ag. Period. That's crazy. Okay, so but what's so beautiful about it is like I'm telling you, they bicycle places. Right. They grow their they grow food. They grow food for the world. It's a beautiful green place. It's healthy. It is a environmentalist dream right. almost right and yet no they would rather and i i honestly these I'm, environmentalists I, are not environmentalists i actually kind of do wish and i understand you guys sometimes i do wish when i have uh i've driven around the country when i was a kid but recently we hadn't really traveled for like 10 years for a long time okay yeah. And then recently, over the past couple of years, Michelle and I have done a lot of driving for resistance chicks and going from place to place. And I absolutely abhor going through the I cities. hate it. I can't. I They all look Highway the driving. Like, I cannot stand it. It doesn't matter whether I'm in Texas, whether I'm in uh, Missouri. Missouri. Like, it doesn't matter where you're at. It, it all, all looks, looks the same. same. America, American cities are ugly. They're we uh, are uh, ugly. Yeah. It is ugly. It, it is, is ugly. soul crushing. It is soul crushingly ugly. I do not want to see another Jack in the Box, another Charlie's whatever. I another, another Ross outlet, another Target. Oh my gosh! Another Walmart. It's like our entire beautiful landscape is tattooed with monstrosities. And you go through like I'm, we drove from the Dallas airport out, and I was like, this looks, all in the name of convenience. This looks just like my suburban area here. In, There's in nothing Cincinnati unique suburb. about it. Why would anyone coming from beautiful nations other than communism want to come here? And I think about it's ugly. These people that go out to eat in all these restaurants and these highly built up industrial places. Eight I hate lane it. roads. Yeah, it's 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 repulsively disgusting. And it's, it, it's dripping with consumerism. And I consum know I sound dripping. like a leftist, but guess what? It doesn't matter. What side of the aisle you're on? You know it's why it is. It's all greed. It's all gluttony. Wait, and it's you know, all disgusting. You know why you see it? You know why you hate it? Because it's not. Here's the, here's your answer in the name of Jesus. It's not handmade. Nothing. It's all. It's all China yeah. made, slave made stuff. Yeah. In a factory. Right. And so I believe what you're seeing. And this is the power of God on me right now. What you're seeing is slavery. Yes. Everything you're partaking in is something associated. With somebody else somewhere else who's having who like lives in a tiny little apartment somewhere and there are a lot of people who say in america 
if you're not making a ton of money, then you're doing things wrong. Right. Because there's a ton of money to be had. You can start your own business doing A, B, C, and D. Well, unless you're starting a business that uh, you're offering a service to somebody, mm -hmm. if you're offering a product and the product is made in China, that's a soul-sucking product. You know, you and I were talking about this week. We were taking a, um, we, Lee and I own a, own our own business, and we were walking some dogs, and we were talking about um, production in America. We used to be a land of producers. Like we would literally we export. Export. produce things. We would produce foods. We would produce uh, products. We would produce handmade goods. In early America, we produced furs. Well, we were it? producers. How was our government funded? And our government was funded by tariffs. But now, but explain that for people. Okay, you think people don't know what the tariffs are? But why? How it switched because the government protected. So what it did is it made it so that if if external countries wanted to sell and hawk their wares in our country, they had to pay a fee so that it wouldn't, it's kind of like when Walmart comes in and then all of the local businesses shut down. That's the same thing. Consider Walmart's Walmart as- would have to be more expensive. Exactly. It would have to be more expensive it. to buy from Walmart rather a, than like undercutting. A, like a bed sheet, right? So if you had a local person making bed sheets, right, right, and it was a local company, well, then the, the, the government would look at that and say, okay, well, it's not that Walmart's prices would have to be higher. They would have to pay more. No, and that prices, money would then go to the government. No, no, and that's prices, how the government would be funded. Their prices would be the same, but they would be taxed. Exactly. They would be taxed. And that's how, so. On the equivalent. Everybody's like, oh, income taxes are inevitable. Property taxes are inevitable. No, they're not. They're not constitutional in our government. And our, our, and our nation was not founded on them here in the United States. And I know this is our world news program, but this, it, it, it all ties together. Okay. Well, well because everybody, the free traders are mostly Republicans, conservatives who really just like to, they're like leeches who suck the world dry. They are. Exactly. Because it, to me, it's crony capitalism. Capitalism, when we say it's super awesome, really boils down to like free and fair trade. Okay. Everybody Every can do what they want. Anybody can start their own business. Like in uh, Nicaragua, Corey says in Nicaragua, it's, it's capitalist pretty much because uh, you, anybody can, can go uh, hawk their wares on the corner Yeah, and they can grow their own food and you could, you can grow your own uh, sheep, butcher them, make a meal and sell it on the corner. Exactly. That is free. But capitalism. you can't do that in America. Exactly. That's free and fair trade. So for those of you that don't understand how we got to where we are, where most of our income is going to taxes, tariffs. So our whole society has been completely inverted. So now the American citizen is penalized for everything that they do and all the outside world well, is incentivized to send their goods here. And so now we pay extra and we pay taxes on things that that should be taxed on the actual government. And I'll tell you what, the and country that's sending it in this nation, the progressives in this nation, they actually began to enact a lot of labor laws. And some people say they're good. Some people say they were bad. But here's the problem with your labor laws. Your labor laws are usually uh, married to regulations on all yeah. these businesses, and and on the one hand, in the nineteen uh, like early nineteen hundreds, you had a lot of factories and they were mm -hmm. killing people, and so you needed to have some sort of regulation because people were doing evil things. The problem is, is that it, like in Nicaragua, you uh, a poor person can be like, you know what? 
Corey might give me um, some some flour and some beef, and then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make those, and then I'm just going to go sell those. Right. And I'll make some money. Right. And I might, I'm probably not going to pay Because what does that do? That person is now a producer. Mm-hmm. But what we have, what I was getting at is in America, but if you really people, think about it. What I mean is, my point was, is that under, like, poor people, right. they, they're like, here, no, you don't just start a business that's unregulated because we can't have unregulated business. Right. So we'll just keep you on welfare. Go get a job because we need to make sure all business is exactly. regulated. And so, but in tying for into tax purposes, tying mostly. into what you're saying. Yeah. We are a service society. Right now, most people that if you want to start your own business, mm-hmm. it's not production, it's a service business. Mm-hmm. And then when you go to a job, most jobs are service businesses. So, so guys, I need you to get this because this is really important. America was actually founded on a production, uh, uh, a, a well, farmers, a production based society. And now, we have a service-based society. So when we tell people that our nation is actually slavery right now, it's not so much slavery. Do you know that when when uh, the Mayflower came over, a lot of the people that came, they came as indentured servants. What does that mean? It means that they had to work for that person. Like they legally had to do what that person told them to do and work for that person in order to pay off a debt. We have the almost equivalent of that today with the jobs that we have. So we have a servant-based society and not the Jesus kind of servant. Most people are servants. And if you actually view it that way, when you are going to a job, you have become that person's servant and sometimes an indentured servant instead of a free man that is a producer. I don't know if the uh, servants were actually indentured servants. A lot, like, yeah, no, they were. There they was were there were several servants. But I don't know if they were. No, like there the were official. several that actually had had taken out a loan that we will have to work for you for seven years to pay off. They were in. That's an indentured servant. Yeah, I'm a million percent of, okay. on this one. Okay, you don't need to fact check me on that one. That one I know. Um, and so, what I'm saying is, our whole society is inverted. We are now servant and service based. Instead of producer production based. Yep. All right. So that's so good. And I'm not, I, I want to keep going because we've got some stories that we still want to cover. And you guys love, some of you love when we go on the little rants. I would like uh, to hit over here with uh, Neil Oliver on Imran Khan and kind of just why the world is so silent on the fact that Pakistan's prime minister has been literally arrested. So, and is serving jail time. I'm looking for it. Wasik. I'm looking for. I think it's going to be over here. Okay. Wait, there it was. Yeah, so what's going on in uh, Pakistan? Because I know we have so many Pakistani viewers. Leah, it's world news. You want to know. Who are the key players and what are their objectives? Pakistan is amongst much else a nuclear power and therefore definitely worth paying attention to. For people of my generation, Imran Khan, former Prime Minister of Pakistan, but more recently imprisoned on all manner of charges, was a glamorous celebrity leading what seemed to be a gilded life. What happened and what is happening in his homeland? To help me understand is my first guest this evening, Wasik Wasik, research fellow at King's College at War Department. Wasik, thanks for coming in. Bring us up to speed. What is happening? What has happened to Imran Khan? 
So what uh, seems to have happened is that uh, Imran Khan has um, had some charges being brought against him uh, and uh, he's been found guilty of um, selling or uh, purchasing estate assets and uh, has now um, been found guilty as a result of that. And um, what that means is for the next three years he's going to be imprisoned and for the next five years he won't be able to stand for parliament uh, uh, through his party which is the PTI. So this um, seems to have happened over uh, since last year and um, he's obviously uh, been silenced actually in Pakistan um, because the media haven't been able to report um, on this issue uh, quite recently uh, because the army have um, basically taken control. How, how suspicious ought we to be given that his downfall followed those comments to which I referred you know, where he, he wouldn't join in the chorus of uh, condemning Russia and, and wanted to maintain a neutral stance, and now he's gone. I mean, should we be, should we be a bit sceptical about that trajectory? I think, I think yes, we should be, uh, of course, but it's a concoction of things that have taken place uh, as, a, as a result. So, yes, that might have been what had broken the, the camel's back, but um, he has been himself um, quite a divisive figure. Uh, in terms of uh, his relation to the West. So he, he doesn't uh, like the West dictating how uh, internal politics in Pakistan should be carried out. Uh, of course, it's a sovereign nation. It's a nuclear power as well. So there are a number of elements that are taking place. And that could have been the reason why, um, you know, he's been you, taken you, that far. You see a divisive figure, mm. but I've, I've understood insofar as I can that in Pakistan, he is a man of the people and has a great, and when I, when I speak to Pakistani people here in Britain about him, the overwhelming comment I get about him is that he was loved. He was. Uh, in fact, he won the popular vote uh, uh, by 60, 16 million. He got uh, Shabazz Sharif, who's the current interim uh, prime minister, had only got 12 million. So he's clearly a popular figure. He's a popular figure with the diaspora here. And you can see it when um, when he was uh, taken to court. Uh, you know, the whole country erupted. He's uh, got the biggest majority in the Punjab region. So, you know, he is, um, you know, he, he did win and he win, uh, won decisively. But in terms of Western relations, he does seem to be divisive. Laura, I, I have alluded to the thought that he was so famous. You know, he was a David Beckham type character, you know, in the, in the 90s. You know, very glamorous, you know, a brilliant sportsman and so on. And, you know, we followed his life in the way that we follow these sporting celebrities. And yet, given that he's had this downfall, he's now in jail, it doesn't feel like we are, that our media is following that story with any kind of level of interest. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, when I saw this was a story on your show tonight, I realised I was so behind on the story. And so, obviously, coming on TV to discuss Imran Khan, looked, looked, um, looked up what's been going on. And I think it's really had quite scant coverage. And in a sense, that is the story. Now, of course, um, he's, he's very popular in Pakistan for multiple reasons. And one is he talks about corruption, corruption mm -hmm. in, um, in the, you know, the two major families. Um, he also casts aspersions, doesn't he, mm -hmm. about the so-called neutrality of the Pakistani army and the involvement of the CIA. And it just makes you suspicious, actually, when there is very little coverage, that there's a bigger story underneath that's suppressing it. Why, why didn't I know more about the Imran Khan story? Partly, I'm probably not reading the international pages enough, but I don't think it is just that. I mean, this is, 
This is a huge story. You get a sense that the law has been weaponized against him in a similar way to Donald Trump and also in a smaller way to Boris Johnson. And it feels like a real mm. flailing around of the state to mm. prevent the popular candidate from holding power. Wasik, how do you read it? You know, am I right? Are we right in thinking that this should be a huge story here? He's one of ours, or he was one of ours for a long mm -hmm. time. Yeah, absolutely. It should be a huge story. Uh, it, it doesn't seem to be. And, and we were talking off air and I, and I mentioned that this just seems like it's uh, business as usual. Yeah. And, and the reason why I say this is because since Pakistan's inception over 75 years ago, we've had 29 prime ministers during that period. Mm -hmm. And not one of them has actually uh, carried out that full five year term. Yeah, so, so um, uh, some of them have resigned, some of them have been uh, jailed, one was assassinated. So there is something um, uh, in the DNA of Pakistan that doesn't allow prime ministers to actually carry out what they need to do uh, in the best interests of their people. And uh, um, why as a nation we're not talking about it is, is a really important question. Just uh, to put this into context, when um, Rishi Sunak was asked about this um, at Prime Minister's question, he, he just said, well, this is an internal matter and we're, we're monitoring it. And, and that was about it. What is life like for the people of Pakistan? I mean, in terms of rule of law, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a democracy, you know, the, how, how is life playing out for them, standard of living and the rest? So the standard of living is quite uh, dire there. Inflation is at like 30, uh, over 30 percent. Uh, people are struggling. We've had the floods there. We've um, uh, had a lot of corruption generally uh, in those areas. Um, and people are not, um, you know, uh, getting the standard of living that they, that they need. And Pakistan, obviously... So they they haven't had one they they vote in a democracy but obviously the vote doesn't seem to matter very much doesn't stick very well yeah it does and that's why we're not very uh, keen on democracies by the way uh but i do have a clip here kind of a disconcerting clip of um that was shared by um a woman that i follow i want this i want this one yasmin mohammed if we could where is she do you see her? Here it is. So over 40 churches and almost 400 homes were destroyed by Muslim mobs in Pakistan. Um, most of the family homes were owned by people who work in low-paying jobs. They will never recover. Go ahead and stop it and give it some volume, please. And then you can read. Majority of Marijo, I will send us to cleaning and sanitation. Work. And these losses, you see, it was the accumulation of these people's entire lives. They will not recover for the rest of their lives. Wow, that's devastating. Yeah, it is, it is, it is, it's devastating. So, what is going on in, in, in Pakistan? For those of you that, I mean, Maybe you just joined and you don't really know. We're talking about Imran Khan and, uh, and all of that. Like, it, it seems very strange and very far away. There's one thing that you need to know. That the powers that be, the world powers that be, do not like when someone rises up and becomes the voice of the people. Mm -hmm. 
and they will do everything and anything that they can to take them down. And it seems like in, in, a, in a country like Pakistan, it's not that big of a deal for a person like Imran, Imran Khan uh, to be jailed, right? But here in the United States, they are literally trying to jail Donald Trump. It's not that far of a leap. They think they these, these people have been looking and salivating for years at what they've been able to do when it comes, you know, the seven countries in five years. They're able to topple all of these other regimes. And when they looked at Donald Trump, they I know they sat down and they had a meeting and they said, well, we've done it in other countries. Yeah, so this is Why don't we do it? Why can't we do it here? A few more interesting uh, tidbits here. Lawrence Fox tweeted out six hours ago, any comments on the desecration of churches and murders of Christians in Pakistan or is Sunday just for football? And that's from the, and that is, he tweeted out to the Archbishop of Canterbury who was congratulating the finalists. Uh, so you're not going to talk about Christians uh, when, uh, so that, that was uh, very interesting. We also have um, uh, a tweet here. Pakistan is no longer a functioning country. Here, this is three hours ago. Here is Pakistan's president publicly stating that his staff, along with the military, forged his signature to pass major laws, which he did not support. Uh, he's literally saying, and this is um, the president of Pakistan now, okay? He just tweeted this out. I love that they're tweeting. Like, seriously? This he's is got a check mark. As God is my witness, I guess you have to say Allah, right? Um, I did not sign the official Secrets Amendment Bill 2023 and the Pakistan Army Amendment Bill 2023. As I disagree with these laws, I asked my staff to return the bills unsigned without within stipulated time to make them ineffective. I confirmed from them many times that whether they had been returned and was assured that they were. However, I have found out today that my staff undermined my will and command. As Allah knows all, he will forgive IA, but I ask forgiveness for those who will be affected. Um, somebody says this is extremely dangerous. You have been a great friend and a colleague, blah, blah, blah. So this is very interesting news where the president of Pakistan, the, the, the installed one, the says, I didn't sign those papers. Um, yeah, so. You know, that's why a lot of times, you know, these things get signed, like, in front of people, like, witnesses mm -hmm. and maybe take some pictures. You know what I'm saying? Put it on put it on video yeah uh there's a video going around of iman mazari uh a daughter of the former former pakistan minister shireen mazari she gave a speech at a ptm jasa calling out the pakistan army as the real terrorist shortly after the pakistan army abducted her from her residence at midnight oh wow wow so yeah crazy things going on over there we will definitely keep you informed it's one of those things where i have been watching um kind of this closely um but the what we the just saw, we saw was uh, a church being destroyed homes being destroyed christians being destroyed um there in pakistan so say your prayers there for our brothers and sisters over there all right so uh let's play this clip for a little bit of a commercial break uh a woke anchor lady calls um let's see graham linhan uh, he's got a huge following. You guys might, you guys probably know who he is. He's got 55, uh, 555,000 followers on Twitter. Oh, wow. Uh, and here he is commenting on transgenderism and he's called extreme, extreme here. Regret having taken this path because you seem to have taken a more and more extreme path over the last few years. How, how is it extreme? Your, the views you've just expressed, most people would ca call those extreme. 
when you started. He's extreme to be an anti-paedophile who's got who's at the heart of the Those are allegations. Once again, this is a news program. These people aren't here These to defend themselves. These are not themselves. allegations. These are being reported. I did not report. If I, if I, if I, if I, when have I been? I'm being sued by a, a trans rights activist named David Paisley. The last trans rights activist who sued me was Stephanie Hayden. Stephanie Hayden is a criminal. Graham, David Paisley Graham, is a man in who, which case... who destroyed a gay magazine called Boys Magazine, destroyed the livelihood of its editor, David Bridal, and all of this is readily available online. And in which you case, if you are in... Graham, if you, understanding the subject, if you're in active you legal proceedings, deciding, Graham, I'm going to cut, cut away for your you own good. Me. I'm going to cut away for your own good just so that we don't amazing. get you into any further le deeper legal trial. It's not amazing. We're everyone not, can see this. Well, everyone yeah, everyone will see this. Everyone will see this, Graham. And I think some people find it a tragedy that we've ended up here from such a comic genius, we'll from such a brilliant mind. We'll, let's we'll, let's, we'll bring, let's bring in the voices in the we'll studio as well. Down. You've been listening into that. Very interesting. So essentially, it? if he's speaking truth, they're not gonna let him get it out. Yeah, I wanna see um, if there is a little bit more on this. I wanna know I'm what going... he actually said. So he says, I've been waiting a couple, I've been waiting for this moment for about five years. A couple of days ago, um, Peter Tatchell, campaigning for democracy, human rights. LB, uh, so a guy who's an LGBT liberation guy used this person's police complaint in another attempt to defame me. Well, this is Stephanie Hayden, a uh, vexatious litigant, violent thug, and a Radu has discovered a pedophile. I told you. So Radu has confirmed that a prominent trans activist known for using the courts to silence critics was previously convicted of sexual assault on a 14-year-old boy. Stephanie Hayden had a mother arrested in front of her children I just ask for you this, actually, gendering him. Oh, wow. So this is a man. He had a mother arrested for misgendering him, and he is a child molester. So no, we do not defend pedophiles. I'm sorry. No, and a pedophile doesn't get to... You don't get to say, well, I was a, I was a woman when I molested, by the way. No, you're a, you were a, not a woman. That's just absolutely crazy. So essentially, him calling this out is extreme. <sighs> yes, that is what that's what they're saying. Um, that that's yeah. So yeah. So I guess he's he's big on calling out crazy things. Uh, it says Graham Linden breaks down in tears and vows to defeat the evil trans activists as he defiantly performs on the street at an Edinburgh festival after being canceled by two venues over his gender critical views. So he's a comic and um, he makes fun of them. So uh, he goes blank. Uh, he takes Jesus name in vain and says that that second photo is a new one for me. Uh, straight people do not get appropriate, not, not do not get appropriate the terms gay and lesbian for their cosplay. It is grossly offensive for straight men to LARP about in dresses and say they're lesbian. Gays gave notice to the straights 40 years ago that you do not tell us what to think. So this is, whoa. I think the next picture is what kind of got him. Uh, that's cosplay. That is not a real person. It cannot be. I'm not going to go to the next one. Please do not go to the next one. So, yeah, I mean, you can either find it disturbing or humorous, and I guess he's finding it humorous and, and you're not allowed to. I think uh, if you go down to this YouTube, you can see Irishman of the Year here. I named central figures in the trans movement who have never been called out by Peter Thatcher. Peter Thatcher, who wrote a letter 
supporting oh, sex Look. between children and adults Peace. in the garden. what they did oh. they the person making this video cut that there okay so do you want me to play more of this or is she just going to keep interrupting him i don't know just... so where is the line being drawn here on freedom of speech when does it become hate speech or is it just comedy comedy where free reign is the name of the game well graham linehan joins me now live from edinburgh to talk a little bit more about this, Graham, thanks for making the time. Here in the studio, I'm joined by human rights campaigner Peter Tatchell and socialist and author Grace Blakely. We'll get to their views shortly, but first, let's have a let's dive into this with uh, Graham. Um, I've got to ask you, Graham, did you expect this? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I didn't have enough time to expect it. I didn't realise my photograph was going to be put on the uh, poster or the, the announcement, and uh, then it was. And uh, within a two hours, uh, the event had been cancelled, you know. So I didn't really have time to expect anything. I'm going to ask you quite frankly, is it a strategy, do you think, not necessarily by you, but by the comedy group, to get more attention for this comedy show? Because if it is, it's been very successful. You've announced that there's going to be another venue for this, one more fitting. You've directed people to the ticket sales. You've had a lot of publicity over the last 24 hours talking about this. Was this all strategized? Well, we'd already sold out. So, you know, why would we try and sell more tickets when we sold out? Uh, the venue, I, I don't think we've moved into a bigger venue, maybe slightly bigger, but, you know, we just took what we could get. I'm not sure whether you've thought that question through completely. It doesn't really make sense. Well, I'm thinking, but, uh, I'm thinking it through like this, Graham. It's a very LGBTQ-friendly venue. It's very publicly that way. Your name was kind of kept back until the last minute. It was so it's very interesting because I guess this guy and you guys probably know who he is is a uh, kind of a person on the left. Graham Linehan was once one of the most celebrated members of Britain's famously liberal, uber politically correct comedy community, a legend at the left wing Channel Four. He was beloved as a modern day creative messiah, the brains behind all time great comedies, Father Ted, the IT crowd, and actually one of my personal favourites, Black Books. That was until he dared to express a view. Until just a few years ago, by the way, a view accepted as an established fact. It's a view about the existence of biological sex and how it's pretty unwise to allow anyone with a penis into women's only spaces. I can't say anything. They've given, they've given women no room in which they can maneuver and, and argue for their rights. The gender movement is, at its heart, it's a middle-class movement. They've all got kids who wear some eyeshadow to decide they're trans, and the parents are kind of uh, circling the wagons around them rather than thinking it through. There's no more homophobic statement than trans women are women. Because when you say that trans women are women, you are saying that they are women in all in the literal meaning of the world. That means that if a lesbian does not want to go out with a male-bodied uh, person who identifies as trans, they are automatically considered a bigot. So after expressing views like that, views that I don't need to remind you are backed up by science, by common sense, and shared by the majority of Brits, but after expressing those views, Linehan found himself going from messiah to pariah almost overnight. The entire entertainment establishment turned 
And he was left destitute socially and financially, with even his co-producers on Father Ted effectively ending his plans to make a musical version of the show. But Linehan fought on. And slowly but surely, backed by other names, flung out by the media elite like J.K. Rowling. So this is a very interesting uh, dynamic where, um, you know, oh, you know what I've said for the past year? They have drawn a line in the sand and the left is on one side and the right is on the other side. But the left keeps moving the line. And if you're standing really this close to the line and the line gets moved, you've now found yourself on the right. And we're not, we're nowhere near these people. I know. And then, but, the, but they, they won't allow the them. Like it's literally two but trains. You, and they push people. You, you have to be, be on our side. Like there's literally only two trains to ride. Yeah. And we're looking at each other and I'm like, how we are you on really our train? We have a lot in common, but they're like, but I can only ride this train. I don't right. think that Graham Linehan has lost his ability to speak because his show has got way more attention being not shown at whatever comedy store that they, they didn't want to ha have him on than if he had had on there. And he would probably get a, his own show on this channel. And, you know, he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't been silenced in that way. And the things that he's no, saying... No, but he was silent. Whether or not he's now got a load of uh, interest and eyeballs as an aftermath or as a side effect, that's different. He was absolutely cancelled. When you saw the original statement that the uh, event company put out and then hastily deleted when they realised the backlash and changed it for something else, they were categorically saying that this person's views do not align with their values and that is why they had cancelled this person so he categorically was cancelled i mean and then but he hasn't lost his voice he hasn't lost his ability to to speak but we see these sorts of things uh, all you're over the place. There were protests at drag James shows. There was a there, no, there was a film about Jeremy Corbyn's leadership that got you're banned in lots of places. You're ignoring the fact this person was absolutely cancelled because of his opinions. What you're doing is you're saying because he's then had um, exposure as a result of that, then it's all fine. It's not fine. He shouldn't have been cancelled by that venue. Surely you agree with that? I'm not saying that it's fine. I do think that venues are allowed to have who they, you know, want on and, oh, really? and if they don't want him to... Really? To... So where would you draw the line then? So if a venue said, for example, I'm not going to have any black people in, would you sit there and say, well, you're a private venue, you can choose who you want in? Uh, no, because that's a breach of the law. But, if, but people saying that biological sex is real... Hold on, but... but, no, no, but, but so, so, no, um, they are. No, no, uh, um, race, your, your racial identity is protected under the Equalities Act. Your views about uh, gender and sex aren't protected under the Equalities Act. Well, so one of them is a breach of the law Boris, and the other one sex isn't. Sex is one of seven categories. So I said your views. I said your views on sex and gender. This is hilarious to me. I this is hilarious. Like this is where we're at today. I know. You know what? Would you just play this? The the, the Turkish long feed. We need a break, because that is not real life. I just brought this up. We're gonna oh, play. on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. So my mom watches Country Life vlog. I don't know. Yeah. I it, used to Azure, hate it, but now yeah. I actually am really enjoying it's it. It's like. It, it, we're gonna the reason play. why I say I hated it, I hate it because I I hate that I'm not living that way. Yeah, that's and is this one? Yes, we are going to cleanse our palate. This is our world news show. Um, I'm going. I to... want to live this, even though I know it. A lot of it's set up. I get it, but like she's sweeping her sidewalk with some brush. Okay, Michelle, you can't sweep your sidewalk <laughs> with brush. I could. Okay, so she goes out. She looks like she's at least 65. Okay, and she's chopping wood. Okay, then somebody is going to dig up potatoes. 
Okay, and we're pulling these out of the ground. Which we do do that. It's just not as picturesque as this show. No, because I need a goose. Do you not understand that every farm is happier with a goose? And a crow that is in practically every shot. It's a pet crow. So this kitchen, Jesus loves me. This I know. I'm going to have a kitchen. I'm a fire, fire stove. That, remi that yeah. rhymed. Did you see that? But you also need an outdoor one. So she has an outdoor one for like the summer. Okay? Because it gets really hot. Wow. Look at that potato. That's so many potatoes. So we're chopping up the potatoes. She's got two fires in there. She has two fires. She's got like three <gasps> of them. What is that? Heaven Stop. looks press like pause, that. Press pause, press pause, 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 pause. What did I say earlier? What did I say? Now, I get that in America we have landscapes that are like this. Not very many, okay? Mm -hmm. What I'm saying is anything, and the, the hills and the valleys and all this, that, and the other, anything that we would have that's been remotely close to this, just imagine plunk modern American city right there. That's what they've done to like all of America. Okay, so we've got flour, flour just like corn salt, flour. sugar. What? They don't You're really give you the full, full recipes. I got a dianthus there. <laughs> and a turkey. But I need first of all, a first pet of all, turkey just Leah, hanging out. I asked you if we could raise turkeys. Plain yogurt. Oh, she's doing yogurt? She's going to put yogurt, yogurt in that pizza crust. Oh my gosh. So much of it. She didn't measure. She didn't measure. Look at those so tomatoes. many tomatoes. So she's gonna make her pizza sauce from scratch, like right now. Oh look my! Look at that, God. Leah. Yeah. Oh, look at all the flowers. We're gonna do potatoes. mashed potatoes with some butter, some green onions there. That's a lot of green onions. Well, she makes everything for the season on. Parsley or cilantro? It says parsley. parsley. Sometimes they tell. That's cheese. Cheese and parsley. She's mixing that with the potatoes. You're you're more missing everything that she's doing. How? It's a 15 minute video, man. What? What's? She mixed her cheese with the potatoes? Yeah. Didn't she's she? gonna put potatoes in the pizza? Yeah. Get out. Look at the Leah. How many? She's feeding an army, like legit, an army. You got time to make us pizzas today. You do. Leah makes all that stuff. And hang the laundry out. Look at that giant thing. Here she goes. Rolling out these these are the thin pizza crusts. Holy cow. They must be in the Oh wow. This these are amazing. These are huge. What is happening right now? What is that? That's that potato cheese mixture. Yep. With the parsley and the green onions. What is she doing? What is happening in my life right now? You will make this for dinner. It's like a, it's like a boat. It's, it's a, a pizza boat. What the heck is happening? And then, and then the ducks the goose, and the geese. That was the goose. Oh my gosh. So many of them. I think everybody Turkish gets long pizza. You will be googling I a recipe sure for this. Everybody after is today's show. Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. This is going in the outside pizza oven. Mm. And then she moves the fire to the side. And this goes right on the right on the black right on the metal things. Whatever. Is there a camera in the oven? They must have a window for the camera. 
Yeah, they, I, I'm sure they put in a window just for the... No, they must have opened it. There goes the geese again. I want to see them done. And then the cat, Fifi. Okay, go to the end. Go to the end. He's getting out. Here they come. Look at it! Every night that we watch these, we don't watch these every night, but on the nights that we watch them, we'll watch like a series of like two or three. And um, I shout at this show like I'm watching a football game, don't I? I'm like, what is what she is doing? What is even? What is that night? Yeah. So it's not Please gonna be. It's not gonna be super. If you warm. don't do it, I'm doing it. We're not. Oh, that cannot be for two people. That is for two people. And the producers and like, and we're gonna drink. And some they drink fresh milk, milk with everything in their and little fancy, little fancy. Look at their apples are about to just like. Look at that apple tree with all those apples. Okay, that's we're done. It. We're done. We're done with that. We're done with everything. So, so, so that's you, real life. You guys hear his frustration. You hear the frustration in my voice. I guess that's it. how okay. life is supposed Here's to be. Here's the deal. That is how life is supposed to be. Okay. In Italy, we have some good news. Italy has has a bill to reject synthetic foods, and it's passed the Senate. Good. You shouldn't need one though. They don't need one. If the Azerbaijan people, they wouldn't need, even need it. They so, live. They literally live in a country you can't even say their name right. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in 2021, Bill Gates engaged in various speaking events for his book, How to Avoid a Climate Disaster. It explores what he calls a hard-to-solve problem uh, of carbon emissions, including agriculture. He would say that the way they live is is horrible and bad for the planet. Exactly. This, it's upside-down world. Bill Gates would say what we just watched is bad for the planet, and, and they should grow all of their food in a laboratory. I'm going to punch people in the face. This is 1984. How many fingers? How many fingers? It's two fingers. You don't lie to me. Gates is an investor either personally or through Breakthrough Energy Ventures in several of the companies he mentions below, including Beyond Meats. Did you see how much food she made for probably just like no money? That like lit, like parsley grows like a weed. If you've got a cow, you're making your cheese and your yogurt, right? And then flour goes a long way to making those pizzas. And that probably looked like it would feed at least 100 people. All of them. Not the what she brought on the table, but all the ones all that she made. All of them for 100 people. And I, I would guess that was probably about $3 of flour. And no other – it's not a – like parsley kind of self-seeds. There's no cost there. With your cow – your cow just eats grass. There's like literally for them, there's no cost in their yogurt. So they literally, for like three cents a person, g can feed them the boat pizza and and their, and their potatoes, right? Their potatoes, they're probably keeping their seed and replanting their potatoes. So it, what so you're like, saying is there's an initial get-in cost to a lot of these things. you got to get your potatoes to get seed potatoes the next year. You've mm -hmm. got to um, have your wheat seeds in order to grow wheat to, to harvest your wheat seeds. You've got to... The, the apple tree was like five feet from their home. Yeah, it was like right there. And it was... You can't fake that, by the way. You can't fake an apple tree. I've never seen like apples that. that big and healthy. Just like... And I'm guessing they're not going around spraying everything. You know what happened to us this 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 year? We... The first year, I've been growing um, grapes for about 15 years. Yeah. First five years, six years, I didn't even know how to prune them. Yeah. Okay. 
Uh, after that, I got, I kind of figured out a little bit how to prune them. Did you harvest the grapes on the porch today? I did. And then after that, I noticed we would get a fungus and a mold and they would get like a rot and fall off. And so I would spray copper fungicide on them. And year after year, we planted Chardonnay grapes and they're little tiny, but we they didn't plan to plant Chardonnay grapes. We were given like a hundred Chardonnay grape plants. And so we, we just planted, planted them. them. About 40 took. They're little baby grapes, but they, but they, they do taste really, really good. good. Great jam. Yeah. Really great jam. That's what we use them for. And previously, uh, we would get these tiny little bunches like this big. And now we've got long bunches, like really long. And they And flow. what did we do this year? Well, I put um, the stuff from the chickens coop that all like the bedding and stuff. I put that around all the grapes. I think that that helped a lot. But also, we have been continually on our side yard. It's really it was really bad soil, and every fall we bring our, we bring, um, our neighbors bring their leaves over too, and um, we put wood chips and leaves and wood chips and leaves. And I think that we've just built up enough nutrients that they are because we don't fertilize that the cell fertilizer from the chickens and the and from the from the like the mulch. Uh, I didn't have the any reason I think it's year. the chickens is because I had more. We're gonna have so much beautiful the grape lower jelly. End of grapes that have have been had started getting better earlier. The ones in the chicken yard, right by the compost in the chicken yard. Yeah, and so I'm sure that they probably use you know all that. So back to this law in Italy. Um, Bill Gates wants every food to be grown in a laboratory because they, he said that that's going to cut back on emissions. Um, that is a lie from the pit of hell if you grow what they're growing outside is no emissions and what you are doing and doing a lab is increased any pollution emissions plastics whatever um these bioengineering projects uh to manipulate seeds and fertilizer um it, he admits it's to lower admissions or whatever and then he says, for Africa and poor countries, we'll have to use animal genetics to drastically raise the amount of beef per emissions for them. Weirdly, the U.S. livestock, because they're so productive, the emissions per pound of beef are dramatically less than emissions per pound in Africa. So what? that's why we're overweight in America, because the African cows are not being fed horrible food. And most African cows, people in Africa don't have the ability to... Um, build these giant uh, facilities to do the factory farming. Right. So a lot of these African beef cattle, the reason, and you are insane. So like you're supposed to breed your animals so that they can hold weight and, and eat the food in their environment. So a lot of obviously African tribes are uh, raising cattle in places where food just does not grow very well. Mm -hmm. And the cows are able to survive and then they live off the cows. I mean, I've seen some just stick a straw in there, drink their blood. Like, that's gross. Like, that, not God. But, um, so I don't think the poorest 80 countries will be eating synthetic beef. I do think all rich countries should move to 100% synthetic beef. You're insane. Eventually, the green premium is modest enough that you can shortchange the behavior of people or use regulation to totally shift demand. So in July of 2023, one of Gates' investment synthetic meat companies received USDA approval, California-based Upside Foods, Memphis Meats, has not announced when their products will start popping up, but they did announce a competition uh, to be the first to eat the holiday chicken. Ew. Uh, they were one of several synthetic meat companies that received approval uh, in recent years from, from the FDA 
and the USDA indicating that America, the fast food nation, is prepared to try out lab-grown food. No! Notice the interesting rebranding of synthetic meat and lab-grown meat to meat cultivated. It's a marketing attempt. So, not everyone is happy. The CEO of National Cattlemen's Beef Association will... Guess what? You need to allow Thomas Massey to pass his Prime Act so we can have local producers producing food. You are all a bunch of idiots. You I, just listen to me, I guys. I absolutely hate you all. But over here um, in, uh, where are we in Italy? I thought we were, we're in, I thought we had some Italy. good news here. Yeah. So we've got some bands. Here we go. 93 voted in favor uh, and 28 against and 38 abstaining. What's more astonishing is the public demand to ban synthetic meat with over 2 million Italians signing a petition in support of the ban. Across Italy, regions and municipalities were almost all voting the same way, all but shouting at Parliament to act. Italy has a reputation for quality, natural, and traditional food. That's why Italians are thinner You know, and do we have any in the pantry? Because I love to buy... There might be a bag. The synthetic pasta... Or not synthetic. Listen to me. Italian pastas. The last thing is uh, its people want, according to reports, is billion-dollar corporations moving in on the uh, produce industry under the banner of climate change. Uh, if bans, if the bans have carried all the way through to law, would include a 60,000 euro fine for anyone making or selling these synthetic products. Italy, which is a world leader in the food quality and safety, has the responsibility of leading the way in the health and environmental protection policies, says the president of Coldaretti, Ettore Prendini, reiterating the precautionary principle that, em that animates the design uh, of law. Therefore, the challenge that uh, Coldaretti launches to the European institutions is that the products in the laboratory in the authorization process are not equated to a food, but rather to products of a pharmaceutical nature. A pharmaceutical nature, that's absolutely right, launching a challenge to the European institutions so that the products in the laboratory in the authorization process are not equated to food, but rather to products of a pharmaceutical nature. The bill covers all products, beef, chicken, eggs, feed, milk, fish. If it's birthed into this world by a person in a white coat, it's off the menu in Italy. So that's the really Prime good. Minister Maloney voiced her support. We could not but celebrate with our farmers a measure that places Italy at the forefront, not only on the issue of defending excellence, a matter that is particularly important to us, but also on the issue of consumer protection. <sighs> woke demons. Australia is still wrestling with its woke demons. The ABC reported in uh, late June of uh, this year that we could be seeing this lab-grown meat packed into Australia's shelves uh, by 2024 with the food standards, Australia currently reviewing the product. I said this the other day and I will say it again, since with this has gotten brought back up. If you are afraid of, of accidentally purchasing lab grown meat, buy it with the bone, buy chicken with the bone in. Okay. And I can, I want to encourage you guys just do some research, start asking around people that, you know, Hey, mm -hmm. do you purchase from a herd share? Where can I get raw milk? Do you, um, ha do you guys ever buy a half of a, a, a cow or a, a half of a hog or something? Ask around, call your local, like there are not, your, there's like butcher shops, especially out in the country. Go to your butcher shops, ask them if they have a farmer that will sell you a half of a beef or a quarter of a beef or a half of a pig. Or you can also ask your butcher shops if, where you can get um, Amish raised chickens. Before we started raising our own chickens, I called up the place that where we buy our or our beef, we actually get it from a farmer and then, the, and then it goes to a butcher shop that gets butchered. And I asked the butcher shop, I said, do you guys know of anywhere where I can get um, fresh chicken? 
so they said they sent me to another little local butcher shop and she said yes i'll have how many do you want and i said 10 she said okay we'll butcher them that morning i walk in the door i kid you not i get handed a clear grocery bag or like trash bag of 10 chickens whole chickens that had just been processed that morning out the door. Now we came home and we had to package them ourselves and put them in the freezer, but they were done that day. It was not grown in a lab, okay? Guys, I'm telling you, all you have to do is do a little bit extra. And I will say this, it was cheaper than buying it at the store. It takes you extra effort to do it, but what is your body and your family's body worth? Go to your local farmer's market. Ask around there. Just start asking. Don't you think, oh, I don't know, I don't know. You can't find anything online. It's all expensive online. Get your boots on the ground. Start asking people questions. That's what you need to do. Uh, James says, synthetic food. These people are insane, period. Stuart the Brit says, Gates' plant in Spain is failing. The CEO is complaining that the government isn't forcing people to eat it. Um, Brit Baza says, yes, geese, geese are better than guard dogs on a farm. They attack anyone strange. Um, so Sherry says, how to avoid a climate disaster? Get rid of the crazy climate people. Um, all right, so... I'm going to take a minute while Leah's looking for her next video because... No, we've got it. I got the... Uh, well, let me play ahead. this because this goes with it. Barry had sent me a couple of videos on um, the tip tree farm that he mentioned that does the... Ketchup? Ketchup. Oh, fun. 11. When arable farmland outside the small village of Tiptree was purchased by the Wilkin family. The farm solely cultivated arable crops for over 150 years until 1865 when a parcel of land was put over to fruit farming. And after the commendation of fruit preserves by the British Prime Minister William Gladstone, the farm then increased its fruit production and formed the Britannia Fruit Preserving Company in 1885, the base on which Wilkin and Sons was built. In May the following year, the company purchased additional land with which to expand its burgeoning preserves business. Indeed, only 10 years later, the farm was producing more than 200 tonnes of fruit a year, with half of that being made into jams and preserves, largely for the Australian market. By 1891, the farm employed 400 people just to pick the fruit, and when taken into consideration with those employed in the jam factory and associated needs of the business, such as transport and administration, the Britannia Fruit Preserving Company positively affected the village of Tiptree and caused increased population growth by means of readily available employment. The fruit pickers earned between 5 and 16 shillings 8 pence a week, with the factory workers earning considerably more at up to £1 a week, putting their pay in line with other contemporary skilled workers. The growth of the Britannia Fruit Preserving Company, now known as Wilkin & Sons, was not without its difficulties. At one point, the owner, Mr Arthur Charles Wilkin, was forced to sell a horse to partly cover the wages bill. But despite some minor hiccups, the business increased its farm holdings both in the local area and across the counties of Essex and Suffolk. Mr Wilkin, like many businessmen of his time, took a philanthropic approach to his employees and the village of Tiptree. In 1900, he was active in establishing an old-age relief fund for the poor of the village and introduced a pension scheme for his employees, later going so far as to build retirement houses for his workforce. Fast of land. I want to get to the the company continued too. to trade independently until 1939, when the business was taken under the control of the Ministry of Food, in line with the government's policy of securing food production during ah, the Ah, so then the government takes over, which that's never a good thing. Let me play the next one here.
I'm not so into the giant farms, but still anytime anybody's growing food, I think it's awesome. But these Wilkin and Sons things end up here in the United States all of the time. I just didn't know that that was um, where you are. So uh, interesting. Barry, that is really, really, really cool. I don't have time for the other ones, but super cool. All right. So let's go over to our good friend, Neil Oliver. Uh, we've been watching the longest running show of modern times, but it soon might all be over. We've all been watching the longest running show of modern times. It's been running so long now, in fact, no one remembers a time before the show. The actors change, no one stays youthful, and younger ones replace those grown too old to carry off their parts, at least some of them. But the script and the big song and dance numbers, those stay the same. Give them the old razzle-dazzle, razzle-dazzle them. I said razzle-dazzle them, not medazzle-am. No one jokes about medazzle-am. Careful staging meant the whole effect was spectacular for ages. Audiences went home convinced they'd seen real people telling a true story. The stars were luminous, the atmosphere enveloping. They could remember the songs, teach them to their kids. During some or other performance a few years back, however, the house lights started to come up, one by one and then a few at a time. Theatres with the lights on are tired old places. Without the illusion, the smell of the grease paint, the roar of the crowd, they're just empty rooms. More and more of the audience can see how it's done. The shape of the stage, the trap doors and the clapboard scenery, the pan stick makeup on the faces of the cast, the tops of the heads of the musicians in the orchestra pit. How they were supposed to be fooled by a world of make-believe. Make-believe is a fragile bubble. Once it's pricked, it's gone. The make-believe I'm referring to is the story our politicians and other performers, other actors, have been telling us about the ways of the world. And in this scenario, the house lights, the revealing illumination, has been provided by the internet. The internet was the idea of the US military. A lot of the best tricks are to keep their boffins computers working no matter what happened in a world made unpredictable by nuclear weapons. But its unintended consequence was to connect billions of people who would never otherwise have known of each other's existence and let them talk. The internet's been growing around us since the 1960s but in recent years it reached critical mass and now it has unexpectedly turned a bright and revealing light onto what were supposed to remain as shadows. That's why it suits them to blame the internet for so-called conspiracy theories and misinformation and to seek to censor it. Back on that stage where the latest cast of actors are still hamming it up as hard as they can go, the show might soon be over. More and more of the audience, especially in the cheap seats, are restless aware of how uncomfortable their seats are. Now the illusion is shattered. It's not fun anymore. Not in the way the creators intended. Worse, more of the audience are whispering among themselves, laughing at instead of with what's happening on stage. Who knows, audiences being fickle, it might only be a little while before the bags of rotten fruit come out. For the first time in the show's long run, a lot of lines sound old and tired, and yet the hammiest actors are still trotting them out because after all, that's showbiz and the show must go on. Safe and effective used to get a round of applause, much like we're all in it together and it's an emergency and we're doing our best. Now those tried and trusted staples just get a groan. Build back better. Do us a favour, surely no one buys that one anymore. Saving democracy, that used to have them on their feet and cheering. 
Now it sounds hollow, like the sets and the backdrop. Climate crisis, a world at boiling point. The clock is ticking. Pull the other one, mutter the hecklers. It's got bells on. Give the showrunners their due. They try and keep the show fresh with the addition of special guests. Since war in Ukraine is running out of steam, big guns are now pointed at Niger, of all places. No one in the audience saw that one coming. Niger? Where even is Niger? They call the chorus. Niger has apparently forgotten its role and has been ad-libbing, telling the French to leave them and their uranium, used by France for vital and valuable electricity, alone. Unlike the army of Russia, the previous baddie, which has the fifth most powerful fighting force in the world, a real contender, Niger's army ranks just 119 out of a world total of 145. Surely they've just been wheeled on stage as a fall guy the ageing hero can knock out with a single punch. All joking aside, and it really, really isn't funny, why does the West keep barging on stage in Africa? One African country after another down the decades made to take the fall. Do none of those African lives matter? Apart from the gross asymmetry in any fight involving the US and an impoverished West African nation, utterly exhausted by decades of plunder by the West, another war is a familiar plotline. Pantomime villain Victoria Newland, aka acting United States Deputy Secretary of State, has been reprising the role she played in Ukraine, another performance of her big number, which is It's My Way or the Highway, but it's anyone's guess if the crowd are ready to join in at the chorus this time. It's an increasingly tough room. The crowd are supposed to join in with the big numbers. For a while now it's been, how do you solve a problem like Imran Khan? A generation or two of British audiences remember Imran Khan as an iconic cricketing celebrity and international playboy. He wooed and wed society princess Jemima Goldsmith, and we were told they lived a life of enviable glamour. In a plot twist of note, Khan put the glitz behind him and embarked on a successful career as a politician, emerging in time as a man of his people back in his homeland of Pakistan. He reached and held the office of Prime Minister. He paid for the building of cancer hospitals there, out of his own pocket. People love him there. Back in March last year, Khan deviated from the script when he refused to condemn Russia for her invasion of Ukraine. Coming up with lines of his own, he asked of the West, what do you think of us? Are we your slaves? Warming to his theme, he said, we are friends with Russia and we are also friends with America. We are friends with China and with Europe. We are not in any camp. He said Pakistan would remain neutral and would work with those trying to end the war in Ukraine. The US accused Khan's Pakistan of what they called aggressive neutrality, which sounds like an oxymoron to me, but what do I know? By now, Imran Khan has been deposed as Prime Minister and is presently in jail. Whether he will emerge from behind bars to perform a third act is anyone's guess, but the audience aren't holding their breath. If all the world's a stage, then surely the US is the West End, or the end of the West. What's happening to that country now would be comedy or a downright farce if it wasn't actually a tragedy. Former President Donald Trump has been being savaged by the so-called liberal critics since at least 2016. They never get tired of pointing out all the flaws in his performance, despite the fact he was a real crowd pleaser for millions of his countrymen. The most recent plot has him apparently destined for jail, accused of everything under the sun while present President Joe Biden heads a family whose corruption is exposed for all to see. Their dodgy dealings are centre stage, brightly spotlit, 
and yet the audience is not supposed to know so that he might steal from her. Among other things, he tampers with the gaslighting in their home, turning it steadily down. When she says it's growing dimmer and dimmer, he tells her she must be insane. As is often said now, we, the audience, are presently being gaslighted by a whole cast of bad actors posing as our leaders. I say it so they can say it's us going mad while they dismantle the world around us and line their pockets along the way. But the more we see of their deceit, the more the shadows are illuminated instead by the conversations we can have with each other, by the truth to be found in the online world and elsewhere, the more they overact and desperately until they're no more convincing than the cardboard sets they've surrounded themselves with. Here's the thing, despite their wish we were still in the dark, the lights are on in the auditorium. I say the show's over, whether those bad actors accept it or not. The band stopped playing, the lights are well and truly on, and we are tired of the fiction. There's nothing else for it but to leave them to it, to walk out into the light of day and get about the business of real life. That's all, folks. Wow, get well on said. the life of real living. I have a couple more stories here. Um, we've got uh, the the globalists are in a panic uh, as the populist right in Germany is surging. Hey gang, it's me, Dr. Steve, and if you think the legal persecution of Donald Trump is uniquely turning America <laughs> into a banana republic, well, guess what? It's happening in Germany as well. Now, if you don't know, Germany has a patriot party called the AFD, or the Alternative for Deutschland, the Alternative for Germany. They're a thoroughly anti-globalist, anti-immigrant party that want to restore national sovereignty to their nation. They're a relatively new party. They shocked the political establishment back in 2017 when they came in third in their national elections. And they've just been rising ever since, particularly in eastern Germany. They've now surpassed the 20% mark in support, which is huge in terms of a multi-party parliament. This is a support level that's akin to what we're seeing, for example, with the Sweden Democrats or the Finns party in Finland both of whom are now in a governing coalition in their respective uh, governments and their nations. And so it's not even remotely outlandish, especially given the popular collapse, of the governing leftist coalition in Germany. It's not even a remote possibility that the AFD may end up kingmakers in the next national election. They may indeed be absolutely necessary for a governing coalition in Berlin, and it's already happening at a regional level. The AFD had what many are calling a watershed moment after winning their very first ever district council election in the district of Sonneberg in Thuringia. It was a win that was considered just months before virtually impossible, especially given how they defeated the incumbent CDU party, which is their rhino center-right party, the party of the former Chancellor Angela Merkel. And so this is being hailed really as a political earthquake. That's exactly how the French media has covered that election. Check it out. It's been a political earthquake for the German far-right AFD as they win their highest ever position in local politics. The Sonneberg district is making history. The AFD has now arrived as a people's party here on the municipal level in Thuringia and also in the Federal Republic of Germany. After AFD won the most votes in the first round, all rivals from the Greens to the left 
called on voters to support the CDU incumbent, Jürgen Kopper. The first round of voting had seen a lethargic 49% turnout, but Sunday's runoff saw a surge towards the ballot boxes, with 59% voting, a change which favoured the AFD. This is a message to the politicians in Berlin that things can't go on like this. I'd say that 75% of the people don't want this government if I add up people who didn't vote and the AFD, and I think that's a very good sign. And what's even more astonishing here is that according to the latest polling, the AFD has now officially surpassed the leftist ruling party known as the SPD. They're the Social Democratic Party that's linked up with the Green Party in a ruling, ruling coalition over the last couple of years after the utterly insufferable Angela Merkel was finally driven from power. The AFD, the German Patriot Party, is now polling higher than Germany's ruling party. The AFD now has hit 21% support, while the SPT has slipped to 19%. It's absolutely huge. They're now officially the second strongest party just behind the center-right CDU, Angela Merkel's old party. And so it's no surprise here, given what we're seeing with the weaponized legalism here in the United States, it's no surprise that authorities in Germany, in the name of democracy, are actually considering an outright ban against this surging Patriot Party. I kid you not. Wait until you see this. But first, did you know that the latest data from the American Heart Association, the formula is backed by proven science and excuse of extremism, insurgency, to do to the AFD what they're claiming the AFD would do to democracy in the name of a supposed threat to so I'm going to stop that there. They they literally want to try to ban the party. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. They actually have a constitution. They, uh, they have things in place because of Hitler that you can't ban other parties because right. that's what Hitler did. And unfortunately, you can't do that. There's also a rise of a populist candidate in Argentina. So the left is really upset about what's happening in Argentina. In Argentina, uh, the Argentina peso plunged recently on the news of that populist economist and candidate Javier Mali. And I have a video of him, so I'm going to play it first. Um, this populist candidate is saying things that, you know, we're all saying around the world. I think I know the video is up here somewhere. If you could, I think I might have closed it, but you should still have it up. There he is. And you'll have to read the um, subtitles. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, this is. Um, Javier Mali, an economist. He says, I think that the big problem in Argentina is the culture. It's a cultural problem. This is a society infected by socialism. And what we need to achieve is to remove socialism from people's minds. And the main promoters of these ideas are the politicians. I suggest you take a look at what Gracilia Camino says. Uh, she is supposed to be one of the best, hang on, I went too fast, uh, leaders in Argentina. Do you know who they are against? Against the libertarians, because we libertarians are the only ones who dare to confront the politicians and tell them they are not the solution, that they are the problem. The politicians are a sort of sociopaths who want to make us believe that we are mentally invaded and invalid in every sense because we cannot live without them. But in reality, those who cannot live without us are them. In other words, if the country were divided between those who produce on one side, sorry guys, that's really fast. And on the other side, the uh, effing politicians, the, syndica the syndicalists, 
those this whole bunch of parasites they would sink and die let's separate argentina into northern argentina and southern argentina you know those of us who are willing to work will go to the poorest part of the country and we'll leave vaca muerta for them even if they end up with everything these rats will sink because they're useless on the other hand those of us who produce know and know how to make a living will thrive we are decent people hard-working people and we don't advocate for envy hatred theft or unequal treatment under the law the admonition i thank you abomination of social justice is the most unjust thing that exists because it means stealing the fruits of someone's labor and giving them to others just because I feel like it. And in that whole process, not only did they destroy the economy, they impoverished people. From 1970 to now, the size of the state tripled and the number of poor people multiplied by six. And you know who the only ones who really prospered were? The politicians. So you know what? If you want to stay in this country, you have to identify the enemy, and the enemy is the politicians. We have to go after the politicians. They are our enemies. They are the ones dragging us into poverty. They are the ones who prosper, yeah, prospered with this whole idea of social justice and income redistribution. The real income redistribution was from what we produced to the political parasites. The libertarianism was born to free us from the oppressive rulers. Let's say this caste we have is like the monarchs. They don't even see the need to inherit. They're the same ones who were here in 2001. None of these thieves left. They all stayed. And there are more because they multiply. They bring in their relatives and they bring in their mistresses' families and it grows and grows. And the pocket of those who produce becomes smaller and smaller. Mm, pause that there. That's okay. really interesting that I didn't know about this clip when I went on my tangent earlier of yeah. producing. So enter Javier Malay, who is running on a platform of radical change that would include the dissolution of numerous social institutions and the very central bank, which has led Argentina into multiple fiscal crisis events. In a YouTube campaign video, Malay announced he would disband a number of ministries that he deemed unnecessary. The culture ministry out, environment industry out, uh, the ministry of women and gender diversity out. Let's see, what, let's see him uh, if you click on... <laughs> Click on that. Oh, it's not going to no be in English. Titles. Yeah. Well, you can play it. Play it, and then I'll read it. Ministry of Women. So the Gender Diversity. Out. Public Works. Out. Science. Out. Labor and Security. Out. Ministry of Education. Doctor Nation. Out. 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 Argentinians who support Malay suggest he is a punishment vote against the previous leftist regime for their economic trespasses. The sentiment has a similar ring to the widespread support in the U.S. for Donald Trump as a message to establishment elites. But uh, honestly, Donald Trump isn't doing that. He's not doing that. Everybody keeps trying to compare these populist leaders, God bless Donald Trump's soul, to Donald Trump. But he he is he he went in, but like honestly, eh, I, I gotta say this, guys. I'm not exactly on team Ron DeSantis, but he's the only politician that I have seen that he actually did some things actually and got some things out. Now you can say that Donald Trump wasn't allowed to because he had four years of, um, 
persecution. A persecution. But why did he do that? Because he listened to his daughter, Ivanka Trump. I was talking to somebody on the phone. We figured it all out. Okay, here's the thing. Ivanka and Jared ruined four years. They sunk their father's campaign. They sunk his uh, presidency. presidency. They sold it out so that they could be millionaires. They have huge homes. They have multi-million dollar, $34 million homes. They're happy as little, you and know, it wasn't just about money. Jared Kushner is in cahoots with George Soros. I mean, he got on. his loan from George Soros. He got a six or he got a billion dollar deal out of the Saudi deal that he made with the Abraham Accords. And the rest of us are thinking, yay, yay, yay. Oh, Israel, blah, blah, blah. It was not about Israel. It was about the um, the the uh, the, the alien uh, king there, Jared, who's never seen a lick of sun a day in his life. Okay, making this deal so that he could make millions off of it. Hunter is small fries compared to the deal that Jared made. And nobody was talking about how the fact that he is in cahoots with George Soros, that he got his money from George Soros, that they are these radical lefties. And everybody going, oh, Ivanka for president. Are you insane? Are you insane? Come on now. And I know that, here's the thing. Steve Bannon came in. And he was editor of Breitbart, or he was he was running Breitbart, and then he, beca- he then he went under Donald Trump, so he was he he was no longer uh, running Breitbart. And you had Milo over there, and you had Raheem over there, and you had a bunch of good reporters over at Breitbart. And um, Steve Bannon was constantly, and I saw this, and if you guys didn't see it, then I will let you know. So Steve Bannon was constantly ushering stories to Breitbart of the infighting, what's going on with Ivanka and Jared, Ivanka and Jared. I saw it. Um, I reported on it. You mean as, Ivanka and Steve? No, the, no. Go, the, Ivanka and Jared were causing infighting. Okay, yeah. Okay, they were the ones who were pushing back on Donald Trump. On all, every time Donald Trump would take a leap, Ivanka and Jared would say, "Don't go how, that far." Uh, recently, when uh, the Texas and Ron DeSantis were sending migrants places, and and Ron DeSantis sent the migrants to Margaret Vineyard, Jared came and said that that's too far. That's too much. They are. They don't think like us. They're not conservatives. They're certainly not Republicans. Um, they are elitists. They're elitists, and they look at you and me as little tiny grasshoppers that they could just step on. Mm, we're more like ants. More like ants. Okay, whatever. You don't really want to step on a grasshopper. It's kind of yucky. Ants. <laughs> meh. Okay. All right. So that's. Here's the thing. Donald Trump brought in all these people. Miley, Mad Dog Mattis. I can't even name them all. And they all turned on their back on him. Why? Because Ivanka and Jared said, we know people. They brought in all these leftists. Why is General Miley still there under Biden? Why was he under Trump and now he's still under Biden? Because Ivanka and Jared. Mike Pompeo. Even bringing in, um, um, who was the other guy, the AG? You guys know. Bill Barr. Bill Barr. I want to say Burr. Okay. Jared and Ivanka were the ones playing this game against Donald Trump. So this rabbit trail came from the fact that what you're saying is these populist leaders, they're always trying to compare Donald Trump to them. Um, But we'll see if they actually do it. I'd love for to see this populist leader go in Argentina and take out the science, labor, social security, public works, education and indoctrination all out. I think it's pretty awesome. Um, And if you scroll down, uh, the possible future president of Argentina flies the Gadsden flag. He's a legit, like, American libertarian. 
He's a Ron Paul libertarian. Al zurdo de mierda no le podés dar ni un milímetro. Wait a minute, let me turn it down. He called them the blank leftists. Of course. Oh all collectivists, all kinds of collectivists. But why do you call them blank? Because they are blank. If you think differently from them, they kill you. This is the point. You can't give them an inch. If you give them an inch, they will destroy you. You can't negotiate with, he said left hearts. Is that a word in, in Argentina? You don't negotiate with them because they will end you. And since we are so better, much better than in the cultural battle, we're not only superior economically, we're morally superior. We're aesthetically superior. We're better than in everything. And it triggers them. And since they can't beat our arguments and ideas peacefully, they use repressive apparatus of the state and try to destroy us with taxpayer money and influence of public opinion. And yet they're still losing. You understand? They're losing. They're desperate. The leftists are losing the cultural war. These are... Can you believe? Do you think he really said leftards? I have in no Argentina. idea. I have no idea. In Spanish. So that'd be pretty cool. All right. I want to go to the last story, the kind of big story I've got for tonight. It's kind of sad. Uh, I never, you guys in the UK probably heard about this. This is a woman named Lucy Letby. Uh, she recently has been found guilty of murdering seven babies and attempting to murder six others while working as a nurse at the Countess of Chester Hospital. This is a very kind of dark story here. A neonatal natal nurse in a British hospital was found guilty of killing seven babies and trying to kill six. She is 33 and was charged with murder in the deaths of five baby boys and two girls and attempted murder with five boys and five girls when she worked uh, between 2015 and 2016, just in a year. Huh. She was accused of deliberately harming the newborn infants in various ways, including by injecting air into their bloodstreams, oh my administering air or milk into their stomachs via uh, neogastric tubes. She was also accused of poisoning infants by adding insulin to intravenous feeds and interfering with breathing tubes. A jury of seven women and four men deliberated for 22 days before reaching the verdict. One jury was uh, excused well into deliberations for personal reasons, and the judge later gave the remaining 11 jurors the option of reaching a, uh, a verdict with 10 people in agreement instead of a unanimous decision. Let me denied all the charges. She was found not guilty on one charge of attempted murder, and the jury could not reach a verdict on several others. Some of the verdicts were announced in court earlier in the month, but the judge imposed a ban on reporting them until deliberations were complete. Letby fought back tears on August 8th as the jury found her guilty on two counts of attempted murder and burst out crying before she left the, the room. During the lengthy trial, which began last October, prosecutors said the hospital in 2015 experienced a significant rise in the number of babies who were dying or suffering from such deteriorations in their health for no apparent reason. Some suffered serious catastrophic collapse but survived after help from medical staff. They alleged that Letby was on duty in all the cases and described her as a constant malevolent presence in the neonatal unit when the children collapsed or died. They said the nurse harmed the babies in ways that did not leave much of a trace and that she persuaded her colleagues that the collapses and deaths were normal. The first baby allegedly targeted by Letby was a boy, boy born prematurely who died when he was a day old. Prosecutors alleged the nurse injected air into his bloodstream. 
Uh, police launched an investigation into the baby's deaths at the hospital in May of 2017. Letby was arrested three times in connection with the deaths before she was charged in November 2020. Prosecutors said a post-it note found at Letby's home after she was arrested in 2018 says, I am evil, I did this, a literal confession. Her defense lawyer argued that she was a hardworking, dedicated, and caring nurse who loved her job. And there was enough evidence. The lawyer said the infant's sudden collapses and deaths could have been due to normal uh, causes or in a combination of factors. Um, she testified for 14 days, denying all accusations she intentionally harmed any baby. I only ever did my best to care for them. I don't deserve, but she wrote on a post-it note, I don't deserve to live. So I'm going to play a few of these videos. Who is Lucy Letby? No, not that one. I just go to the next one. There you go. Hang on a second. Okay, well, I'll get there. Let's screen share here. She sounds like an unstable person. Well, she's a psychopath. No, I mean, rather than it being like, she, there's a possibility that she didn't do this. How do you describe Lucy Latby? Um, manipulative, without a shadow of a doubt, very cunning. Someone who just betrayed every aspect of the confidence that was put in her by, by the NHS, uh, by her colleagues. I interacted her with her like I did with the other nurses. She seemed um, keen. Um, she was fairly conscientious. Um, she was quiet. I would describe her as a person as being beige. She had a normal friendship group, a family. She had a normal social life. Everything you would expect somebody in their 20s to do. She used that normality and the trust that, that, that she obtained through that as a cover for the crimes that she committed, which is really hard. I'm going to pause that one. I want you guys to see this confession thing first. Ooh, the... Not that one. This one. Jurors were shown post-it notes written by Let B that were found during a search of her home in Chester. In one note, she calls herself a horrible, evil person who isn't good enough, while another reads, I am evil, I did this. The barrister for the prosecution, Nick Johnson, said the cases involved showed an evolution of Letby's murderous assaults and reveal how calculating and devious she had been. Going on to suggest that Lucy Letby gaslighted staff at the hospital and persuaded them that what they knew in their heart of hearts to be utterly abnormal was just a run of bad luck. Jurors. Just a run of bad luck. After a 10 month long trial and 22 days of jury deliberation, we do now have those verdicts relating to Lucy Letby. The former nurse has been found guilty of seven murders relating to child A, child C, child D, child E, child I, child O and child P. Of course, those names redacted for anonymity reasons. Uh, Lucy Letby was also found uh, guilty of seven attempted murders of child B, child F, two counts of attempting to murder child G, child L, child M and child N. They also found her not guilty of one count of attempting to murder child G and one count of attempting to murder child H. 
On those other counts, of course, there were 22 counts on the original indictment. Six of those they were unable to come to a decision on, leaving them as hung. And as a result, Justice Goss discharged the jury from their duties. Now, as the dust begins to settle, let's unpack exactly what all of this means. Those seven murders she's been found guilty of means she now becomes the most prolific serial killer of children in modern British history. Now, in terms of her reaction to how she'll be remembered as that title, uh, when we first heard the first set of verdicts last week, we heard those tears. We saw her dry sobbing from the dock. Then, with the next set of verdicts, instead, she seemed to have no reaction whatsoever. It was almost as if she'd accepted her fate. And then after that, we don't really know what her reaction was, because after that, she wouldn't appear in the dock. Justice Goss, the judge presiding over this trial, questioned this. And in response, the defence, Benjamin Myers Casey, said that was a decision made by Lucy Letby that she would no longer appear in the dock. She would refuse to come up. Uh, and what that means is that it's likely we won't be seeing her at the sentencing either, which we now expect to be at around 10 a.m. on. OK, I'm going to close that one out. This is a kind of a disturbing. Well, it's obviously a disturbing story. Um, I'm just going to play a little bit of this documentary by the UK Mail. Lucy Letby is accused of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others while she was working on the neonatal unit at the Countess of Chester Hospital. Letby denies all of the charges over the incidents. Lucy Letby was the only person working on the night shift. It was alleged in court that their mother was apparently told by Miss Letby, trust me, I'm a nurse. Just over nine months ago, the trial of Lucy Letby began. She was accused of the most shocking of crimes, the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of ten others. She always denied all the charges. I'm Liz Hull, Northern Correspondent for the Mail. And I'm Caroline Cheatham, a broadcast journalist. I was in court every day watching the trial unfold, and together we created our podcast, The Trial of Lucy Letby. We examined what happened and brought you the details behind the headlines, allowing you to be part of each moment of the trial. The podcast was groundbreaking because it was the first time in the UK that a podcast had covered a live trial week by week. You listened in your millions and now we're going to bring you the inside story of what happened during the trial. Doctors noticed that there was a sudden spike in deaths and near deaths on the neonatal unit where premature and poorly babies are cared for, so they started to investigate. When they failed to find a medical reason, police were eventually called in, and after an investigation lasting for more than a year, they arrested a young Band 5 nurse who had worked at the hospital for several years. In November 2020, Lucy Letby was charged with the murder and attempted murder of 17 babies. And. After deliberating for 22 days, the jury found Lucy Letby guilty of the murder of seven babies and the attempted murder of six more at the Countess of Chester Hospital in Cheshire. She will go down as the most prolific child killer in British history. Much more sinister was for some of them five years on when they got a knock on the door from Cheshire Police 
Yeah, um, you can't imagine, really horrendous. And um, then a lot of them obviously had to give statements to the police and to some the of families. them came to court themselves to give evidence and had to listen to the most awful details about what happened to their child. This Nurse came up and asked whether I wanted someone to call a priest. I remember feeling quite shocked and I asked if she thought he was going to die. She responded, yes, I think so. When we got there, she was in intensive care with all the machines. It was such a shock. She looked like she was going to die. Our daughter could go from perfectly fine to nearly dying in seconds. There was no in between. Our daughter seemed to deteriorate when we left her alone and predominantly at night. I was praying to my God to see my boy and help him. I was asking my God to save him. My husband was not saying anything, but he was crying and crying. We made the decision to switch off the machines and let her go. I have a lot to say about this. Yeah, uh, let me just play a couple more so we kind of get a little bit more um, background. I think. Hang on. I'm about to say has gnawed at me all day long, but I do have to issue a warning to listeners and viewers. It could be even dreamt by a writer of the most troubling fiction. The day is August 3rd, 2015. A mother's recovering from a C-section and has produced two angelic baby boys. This mother momentarily stepped away in a neonatal unit, leaving her week-old twins behind so that she could procure breast milk for them. The setting couldn't be more serene, with the father excitedly preparing for their return home. But a soul-shattering cry disrupts the peace as she returns to this intensive care unit. And one baby gasping, bleeding, her baby gasping, bleeding. The commanding nurse in the unit reassures the mother. Trust me, I'm a nurse, she says. Fast forward, Manchester Crown Court, the mother explains to a silent courtroom. She was an authority. I trusted her completely. We then learn that it was this very nurse, this trusted authority, who mortally wounded that precious baby boy by placing a medical tube down his throat with force. Now this is but a snapshot of the trial that has disturbed this entire nation. Nurse Lucy Letby slaughtered seven innocent beings. Her demeanour in that entire case, chillingly indifferent. Any hint of emotion whatsoever, only for a doctor's voice, for whom she was totally infatuated. The wickedness in my eyes is unparalleled. Do we as taxpayers wish to fund such vile hospitality at his majesty's pleasure? I'm gonna play one more because this is a doctor commenting on doctors who gave a kind of alarm. A lot of disturbing and devastatingly sad details in the case of nurse Lucy Letby in the NHS, who was just recently convicted of murdering newborns. As a physician, one of the things that really sticks out to me is that there were physicians who tried to sound the alarm about her and they were dismissed, overlooked, and in fact, they were even forced to apologize to her at one point. Those doctors were summoned to another meeting with executives who now accused them. We'd bullied her, uh, we'd behaved unprofessionally, we'd behaved in ways that were unbecoming to the profession, and then read out a letter from her, which was a, a very aggressive letter from her, basically saying, 
I'm coming back to work and you have to work with me and I'm going to prove to you that I'm a great nurse and I'm not a killer like you say. And then Tony Chambers finished off by saying, so she's coming back to work and this is the most chilling thing. I'm drawing a line under this, you will draw a line under this and if you cross that line there will be consequences for you. You were asked in court, why didn't you just phone the police if you had concerns? But here is the chief executive of the hospital, your boss, saying if you take any further action, there will be consequences for you. You have to draw a line under it. I mean, that must be an impossible position for you to be in. It's an utterly impossible and a Kafka-esque situation to be in. As well, we were told when we initially raised concerns that if we call the police, there'll be blue and white tape everywhere. That's the end of the unit. It, it would be really bad for the reputation of the trust. In fact, it was the killer who was about to turn complainant. Lucy Letby took out a grievance, with doctors forced to write this apology to her. Dear Lucy, we would like to apologise for any inappropriate comments that may have been made during this difficult period. We are very sorry for the stress and upset that you have experienced in the last year. Please be reassured that patient safety has been our absolute priority during this difficult time. Meanwhile, doctors continued to raise concerns, but Ian Harvey replied that there was no smoking gun and Lucy Letby would be returning to the ward, just as soon as Dr Jerem had said sorry to her face. She was just six days away from returning to the ward before management finally allowed doctors to meet. With police, yeah. Okay. Okay. I want to first and foremost say that this is as horrific as they're saying that it is. This is unimaginable. I believe that she had to been being possessed by the devil. Absolutely. You could see in the notes that she was a very tormented individual. For sure. I think that this was 100% demonic possession. Mm -hmm. um, you still go to jail for that, by the way. Yes. So heartbreaking for the families that suffered this, heartbreaking for the doctors and staff that had to work with her. Yeah. This entire thing is just absolutely mind-blowing. Mm -hmm. I will say this, and now I'm going to shift gears entirely. Leah, if you and I decide to murder a family member and they are our family member and we want them murdered... Um, and we get a doctor or a nurse to help us with that murder, but we want them murdered, is it still murder? Yes. This is the neonatal clinic, which means that not only do you have babies that are born at their regular time, but sickly, you have babies that are born prematurely. How is it that it is only considered murder because the babies' families wanted these babies, and it is not considered murder when a family does not want the baby. It is the most horrific, unimaginable thing. These people are saying she's gonna go down as a serial baby child murderer in recent British history. But That's what? a lie. It is a lie. That is a lie. That is a bold-faced lie that they have fed you. Because every abortion clinic that is committing abortions, which are murder in the UK, those doctors and those nurses have a laundry list way longer than Lucy Letby. 
but because those parents didn't want their child and there's no ooey gooey squishy story to go behind the parent actually loving that baby it's not murder when they go in and they inject these children to murder them and then they suck their brains out or they cut their baby parts apart they cut their body parts apart and they yank them out of the mother with the most atrocious vile, inhumane, murderous heart that you can imagine. And yet I can guarantee you that there are pro-abortion people in the UK looking at this story going, that woman is a monster. Yes, she's a monster. And so is every abortion nurse and doctor in the UK and in America. And they are serial killers and they should be jailed for the rest of their lives because whether a child is wanted or a child is not wanted when you kill it whether it's in the womb or out of the womb the age is the same there are babies that are the same age that were in that neonatal clinic that can be murdered in the uk legally as long as it's still in the mother's womb and yet because the baby was out of the mother's womb and the parents didn't want their child killed oh she's a ferocious serial killer because she had some sort of sycophant idea. These abortion doctors, these abortion nurses are sick in the head. They have a sick desire to murder children. It is not about the mother. So don't give me this garbage and don't lie to me and tell me that this is the most atrocious serial killer of children in, in recent British history. Because I ain't buying what you're selling. Because I know the truth. Anytime you murder an innocent child, you are a monster. Whether that child is in the mother's womb or out of the mother's womb. Whether that child was wanted by the parent or unwanted by the parent. Murder is murder. So someday, unless we fix where we are headed, and I believe we will, but in case we don't, Lucy Letby's sentence will have to be diminished to almost nothing. Almost the inconvenience of what we would have to pay if a pet died under our care. Because it was just the parent that she harmed, not the child. Because they're trying to make abortion up to birth and in some states out of birth, after birth, legal. In not just America, but in other countries. Meaning, if a child is nine months and the head is crowning and the mother still wants to murder that child, they can do it and it's still considered abortion. So, um, I do want to go over some of these uh, weeks because the United States is pretty uh, actually radical in its abortion laws. So, abortions uh, 20 are allowed at 23 weeks in the UK. Uh, and then when you're looking at, and usually even, and then I just, there's an article I have from the independent that says, um, you probably don't need to tell your parents if you're under 16, if you're under 16, your parents do not usually need to be told that's from the NHS. Uh, but the rest of Europe is actually very different. So Australia or Austria, Belgium, Bulgaria, Cyprus, Czech Republic, uh, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Greece, Hungary, Ireland, Italy, Latvia, Lithuania, Luxembourg, uh, they're all at 12 weeks. Uh, you have a few at, at uh, 10, 
Uh, Sweden's at 18. The Netherlands is the highest at 24. So um, the United States, the, the abortion laws by states here um, are, are much higher and they want to have it. They want, they want them up to birth pretty much everywhere. So, yeah, I just wanted to, to point that out. So atrocious case. I'm glad that she's in jail. Mm -hmm. I, she should be in jail along with a lot of other people. Mm -hmm. That's what I have to say. This case, I pray that this case is used in a whole plethora of pro-life suits and laws that will then have to, everyone's going to have to rethink their stance. And I would love for people to be boots on the ground and have conversations, especially if you live in the UK with, what do you think about the Lucy Lepi case? What do you think about abortion? You know, and, and have those conversations mm -hmm. and, and send them to me. I want to know what the conversation would be like when you, when you pose it like this. Tell the story and get the person emotionally involved and then say, now what do you think about this? Yeah, no, that's true. Um, just as a side note, we're going to, I'm going to, we're going to say goodbye to Facebook. I'm going to play one little clip from Alex Jones because you guys keep sending me information about what they are planning to do with masks and another COVID or whatever. Um, so I'm going to kind of discuss that real quick for you guys on the world news show. We'll probably talk about it more later on, but before we do that, um, Russia, uh, crashed a rocket into the moon. What? Russia crashed a rocket into the moon. Why? It was an accident. How do you accidentally crush a rocket into the moon? I mean, the moon's not like, oh, hit a mailbox. Um, yeah, it it's a uh, Luna 25 spacecraft, uh, spacecraft uh, crashed into the moon. It was uh, Russia's first Was it trying to head to the moon? Was it going to land on the in moon? In 47 years, yes. Okay. Has failed after its Luna 25 spacecraft spun out of control and crashed into the moon, dealing a significant setback to Russia. So the uh, state space corporation Roscosmos, Cosmos, Roscosmos, said it had lost contact with the craft uh, Saturday. The apparatus moved into an unpredictable orbit and ceased to exist as a result of a collision with I'm the guessing this was an unmanned craft. Yeah, I'm not hearing that there were people on it. Said, it was calling it a craft. It's got to be an unmanned craft. India is trying to uh, land on the moon on August 23rd. Okay. And I would just say, please stop. I do have to agree with the moon landing people sometimes on this. I'm not saying that we well, did or did Glenn not land. Glenn Beck just had on a had on an astronaut who landed on the moon. And Glenn Beck's like, no, guys, we were on the moon. Okay. Well, but either way, what I what I do have to say about that is this. After what 70 years, something like that, almost 70 years since our supposed and I I do believe we landed on the moon, but I'm I'm open to it having yeah. not have it happened. Um. After a 70 years, we're still crashing. I know. Where, where's the technology? Yeah. Where's the technology? Okay, so uh, we're going to say goodbye to Facebook. Well, Facebook. Wait, do you want to tell people Bards Fest? Tell people. Oh, about, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, before we say, if you want to switch over right now while you're on Facebook, switch over on the commercial. Um, I put the Rumble link in the chat on Facebook so you can see this last clip that we have. Um, we are very, very excited. I should just pull up the link. Go to bardsfm.com forward slash Bards Fest. So that's bardsfm.com forward slash bardsfest. And you can see all the details. We're going to be in Flemingsburg, Kentucky. 
and we're going to be camping and this will be September 21st through the 23rd. We are really, really excited about this. We're partnering with Scott on this um, just from a planning perspective and um, it's going to shift everything. It's at the Mandolin Farms in, um, there's an address there, but it's Flemingsburg, Kentucky. We're going to be camping. The, the vision has shifted. It's equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Okay. Um, tickets will be going on sale very soon. I think it's going to be like hundred dollars a person, whatever, which is not a lot of money. That's 30 bucks a day, um, for all three days. And then, but it's a donation. So if you can't afford the, do, you know, don't think you can't come if you can't afford to come. Um, guys, everything that we just showed you today is why we have to fight. That's why we have to put on the armor of God. We have to be ready to expand the kingdom of God and expel this kind of darkness from the world. It's our job. We're not waiting for Jesus to come in and save us. He did that 2000 years ago. And then he said, go therefore. Okay. So now it is our job to use the fact that Christ lives in us to do this. But a lot of you need the equipment. You need the tools. You need to know how to do that, how to take on this evil. So we're yeah. going to be laying hands on you. We are going to anoint you. We are going to give you all the lessons that you need. Not all of them, but a good portion of them and the anointing to take on this evil global regime, this evil global agenda, which is just like I said about Lucy Letby, satanic at its core. You cannot cast out Satan without the power of God. Where to go to learn how to cast out some demons, get some spiritual knowledge. It's gonna yes. Be it's going to be speakers. amazing. Brad will be, Brad Cummings will be there. Uh, Pete Chambers uh, is going to be there. Uh, the list of speakers will be out shortly. The list of speakers will be out shortly. We've got a confirmation with Leo and Nancy Martin of the Jenny Museum. They're going to be there. We got a confirmation from the amazing firebrand Donica Hudson, who's going to be there. Got a confirmation from the amazing Dr. Doug Frank, who's going to be there. So we are really, really excited about this. So we want you guys to join us. I'm going to leave that flyer up there so you guys can see this. And then um, also guys, this past week, if you didn't know, um, oh, it's not coming up. I guess because I need to raise it up. Mike Lindell's election integrity summit it's it's not just election integrity he did lay out a plan that i am quite impressed with by the way i'm not gonna lie um very very impressed with the i guess i'll just go ahead and make this the main screen his plan and so you can go to frankspeech.com and check it out but if you want to support mike lindell um he said that they were going to give out these devices these wireless monitoring devices that will show in election polling places whether these machines are actually online. The big lie has been that, that these machines are not online. And um, but, and they were going to make them so that they could just hand them out and give them away. Wow. But they ran out of money. Okay. He's already spent millions and millions and millions of dollars. Okay. It took okay. a mi uh, like a whole year to come up with this device. And then they've got a plan with the app, um, with the Frank Social app that you can download on your phone, that you're going to be able to monitor everything that's going on election-wise in your in your state, in your county, in your in your little precinct, like all the way down to the, the minutest of detail. So to support him, you can go to the legal Lendell, the, I think it's the um, Lendell legal, the Lendell offense. Anyway, here's what you can do. Go to Resistance Chicks page on Frank Social. Okay. And you can click the sponsor button because when you sponsor us, you're also sponsoring the Lindell legal offense fund. I think that's what it's called. The okay. Lindell legal offense fund. And, um, but also a way Mike Lindell takes his, my pillow funds 
and puts them towards saving America. So if you want to support him, go to mypillow.com forward slash RC or resistance, use promo code RC, and you will be supporting what the efforts were this week that they put into place, everything that led up to that moment. So I think that that's really important that we will, we, especially Christmas coming up and stuff, to be supporting people that are trying to save our nation. Christmas coming up? Really? It's August. You know most people start their Christmas shopping in August? Isn't that well, weird? Well, I tell you what, do Christmas for yourself. No, get yourself into place. Go to ITM Trading. ITM Trading. Uh, you know, it is, at the start of the show, we were talking about um, the don't kill cash. Yeah. From Nigel Farage in the UK. Here's why this is, here's why the don't kill cash is so important. Because cash killed this. If somebody had done a campaign... Don't kill precious metals. Don't kill real money. Don't kill gold and silver. We wouldn't be where we are today with the economic collapse that we we're absolutely, on the verge of. Absolutely, absolutely. So first and foremost, don't kill the cash, okay? Then we need the campaign that says, let's go back to real money because this is the only way that we are going to fi fix this with hard assets, which is gold and silver. So if you have an IRA, a 401k, any kind of savings, if you have more than literally $3,000 that you're like, I really feel uncomfortable sitting on cash and you should feel uncomfortable sitting on cash, call ITM trading. They have, they will do a free strategy call. They've been in business for 27 years. They're not just a gold years. and silver broker guys. They, Lynette is amazing. ITM is amazing. They believe in homesteading. They will help you come up with a strategy. So right. How much should I put in a homestead? What should I do for like water filtration? What should I do? Call them. It's a free consultation for you guys. And then let them guide you through, you know, how do I protect myself? And I'm telling you guys, if you've got stuff, I'm telling you gold particularly is your hedge. Yeah. against inflation, wealth preservation. wealth preservation. And we recommend silver to have on hand for bartering when the economy collapses. Exactly. So go to ITM Trading, learn.itmtrading.com forward slash chicks or call them 1-866-950-7776. It's the coolest number ever. 7776, 1-866-950-7776. Tell them Resistance Chicks sent you, okay? That's actually our custom number. They're going to know as soon as you call them. Like, oh my gosh, Resistance Chicks people are calling. Let's give them primo what, attention. What, thank you. Attention. Okay. So we are very, very excited after six years of promoting them for free just because we loved them we so much. And now we're partnered. To actually partner Whoa. with them. So really, really excited about that. All right. So Leah, let's say goodbye to Facebook. Facebook, goodbye. We love y'all. If you want to hop over to Rumble to get this last story from AJ, um, go ahead and click on that Rumble link right now. Yeah. So you guys sent me a bunch of links this week on the Biden administration bringing in a new COVID variant. Uh, certainly they were saying in September masks will be back, right. uh, the TSA. So I want to play this warning to you from Alex Jones. I cannot confirm. I can't deny. I, but I do think that it would be, uh, behoove you to know that this is what is, uh, could be up in the pipe. Not that one, not that one. It's going to be over here on the right. Uh, it's I'm not be. screen sharing yet. So just find it and then we'll, we'll click. Up. Hey, that was Dr. Artis. Yeah, I was going to have that one up, but I don't have that. He one. was on Alex Jones this week. No, it was in re reference to, um, killing people in the NHS. Okay. So uh, speaking of masks, before I play this clip, you know what I was thinking? I wanted to kind of say this. This is really important. We are so anti-mask right now. Let's maybe go ahead and have some smoke-rated masks or other kind of dispersant 
um, chemical type masks, you know, maybe actually gas masks or something like that, because we're looking at these wildfires. And the number one thing that I'm so terrified of is these people driving out of these smoke ridden areas and they pass out from smoke inhalation. So don't be so anti-mask that you're like, I'm never wearing a mask for anything. If you're sanding drywall dust, you're gonna be wearing a mask. So make sure you have masks because you never know what they're going to be dropping. We were just saying that it's not gonna protect you from a virus, okay? So how did people see us on Lake Lindell's election summer? I have no idea. Go ahead, play Alex. Ladies and gentlemen, I got a call yesterday. An individual was in town and they wanted to meet with me that I know well. And they are a high level manager in the TSA. And I went and met with them and had a cup of coffee with them. And they said, you got to warn people. Tuesday, we got called in, the managers, and told that by the middle of September, that the new policy is being written, that this is done, they were told this is happening, this is not hypothetical, you will all have to wear masks again, and so will airport employees. Then, by the middle of October, they are going to say that everyone flying has to wear a mask. And in the meetings, people began to ask them, well, I mean, why is this happening? They said, well, because of the new variant in Canada and because of the WHO, they may, you know, declare this. But regardless, we've been told this is going to happen. Is that it? Are they just showing people in masks? In December, a return to the full COVID protocol of 2020, 2021. And I was given many more details. I wrote down notes on it. Then I left. Called the first federal connection that I was thinking of. Didn't answer. Called the second, answered. Told them what I've been told. And they said, what day was that? I said, Tuesday. They said, yep, we were told yesterday, this is, yesterday was Thursday, so it's Wednesday, expect COVID protocols to begin rolling out middle of September. And I said, what else were you told? Basically that they believe this new variant's super bad and that they're doing the testing and that they should just get ready for a whole new rollout of what happened before. And this was Border Patrol connected people I was talking to and testing at the border again in the whole shooting match. That's two federal agents that told me this yesterday and then I went and looked at the news and there they were saying Canada's looking at new restrictions again because of the variant and so is the EU and what did the Russians just put out three days ago U.S. is plotting another pandemic Russian head of the defense ministry warns now new lockdowns will starve the third world new lockdowns will destroy small businesses new lockdowns will take the average person that's already five thousand dollars in the hole and their paycheck is 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 just on time, we'll put them into full bankruptcy. And the children in the mask and the, the attempt to push a new shot for the new variant, and we're right back in the same hellhole we were in just a few years ago. And why is it perfect timing? Because you go into the election year, 
They had the last crisis go over two and a half years. They'll bare minimum run this through the next election. It's only 14, 15 months out with mail-in ballots again. And we have all the eyewitnesses and testimony that they'd get the mail-in ballots. And in some cases, they were 99% for Joe Biden. Who believes that? U.S. Postal Service whistleblowers, USPS, poll watching witnesses. I have it all here. We'll play it next hour. We do not have to sit here and take the same criminal UN, global, WF, New World Order regimes, second rollout of lockdowns and attempts at forced injections and travel restrictions and being told you're not essential. We don't have to lay down and die. And for the third world, they'll lock them down again under IMF World Bank control. It is a literal death sentence. They estimate over 80 million people starved to death the last three and a half years because of the COVID restriction. All right, so um, <clears throat> I want to bring some peace to this. Do you know why, if you don't know, I'm going to tell you, do you know why they were successful the first time? Because they caught us off guard. Do you know how many people have woken up? Not just doctors even. Doctors have woken up. Nurses have woken up. They were able to get compliance because they caught us off guard. We are now ready. We are a machine. They don't even know. If they do try to do this and they don't back down, we aren't backing down either. And it will come to a civil war type scenario because I would say a minimum of half the people are awake enough to say no. Like, so going to the grocery store, you saw in a clip that they shared there, there was a person, a, a maskless elderly man trying to get in that they get thrown to the ground. Okay. We all experienced that to some degree. There's too many of us that are going into the store and we're never wearing a mask again. It's so, so try and stop us. Call the police. I, I am fully ready to have the police called on me to enter my local Kroger's, right? I'm not wearing a mask. I don't care what you say, right? Now there may be some places where they, they have, they keep you out and you can't go in. That's, you know, whatever, you know, I'm thinking like doctor's offices and stuff, stuff. But I'm not, we're not doing it again. We are not complying. There's too many of us and we're already ready. We have years of, of yeah, our, our arguments are so solidified. Not so it's not going to work. But they can um, try. But, but, but what we go. should be prepared for though are these alternate variants. And so let's yeah. go ahead and have the things on hand that you need. Get your nebulizer ready. Get your... Um, uh, food food grade peroxide on hand so that when you are around crowds, you can come home and you can cleanse what you've been breathing in because they, they may very well release another very dangerous pathogen that makes people sick, that kills people and so on and so forth. So that we don't need to be afraid of because we have a lot of answers. Make sure you are stocked up on your ivermectin. Make sure you're stocked up on all of the things that you know that the COVID protocols uh, contain because they work for a whole plethora of things. So they are going to try it. And, and above all else, get your relationship with God right. Okay. So this past week, Patriot Gallery has done a, uh, a, a f quite a few blogs, actually. And I want to go over them with you guys. Um, because if you're not tuning into our mama's blogs, you are absolutely unequivocally missing out. Um, she is, everybody asks us all the time, how are you guys the way that you are? Uh, the wisdom that you'll get from these blogs um, from our mom. So Cleaning out the closet of America, willing to tackle the truth. I listened to that last night. It was so good. Like I tell you guys all the way, I, my pr preferred uh, speed for my mom is one and a half times. But some of you tell me I really like her her soothing slow voice. So um, it, whichever way you like it there. Um, what was another one that she did this week? We had some, Lee and I got stung by um, 
I thought she had other ones from this week. Oh, yeah. Ohio is, is a representative. Did I say we got stung by honeybees? We got stung by yellow jackets. We did not get stung by honeybees. My honeybees are amazing. Ohio is a representative men inspired by the Holy Spirit of God Republic. That statement right there. Patriot Gallery puts all of this stuff together. Um, she comes up with the most amazing and phenomenal clips. Um, Pray a lot of her blogs are clips. And a lot of it that is... you might understand what Jesus is saying. A review of things that we have done this and then week. she brings a lot of videos in too. And she brings a lot of videos in. She spends a lot of time writing these blogs, putting in amazing pictures. If you like pictures, you can follow along on um, Isaiah58ministries.blogspot.com is where she's posting them. And I think they're also on the Resistance Chicks blog. But there's this clip here from um, Ron. Uh, oh my gosh. Johnson. Johnson. She's had a little, I glitched there for a second. Did you see that? Um, so, there's so much going on in Patriot Gallery's blogs. I want to encourage you guys to check them out. Um, and then this past week, we had Joy and Matt Thayer on. The Kingdom Roundtable was absolutely on fire with Jason and Corey. Um, Leah's talent got a video for how to tell that the grapes are ready to harvest. And then, and then, and then, and then, and then. I know that this week's Revelation Red Pill was nearly four hours long. But, guys, it was probably one of the best revelation red pills that we've ever done. You want to know the history of eugenics, Margaret Sanger, plant parenthood, family planning, and all of this garbage. It's not actually plan it's planning to not have a family, by the way. The death, birth control, all of it. It is one of the it, it should your documentaries like this should be considered a documentary. So, essentially Leah in one week puts together a documentary style program for you and it should be hailed because it's just that good so leah great job this week we've had so much feedback from it it's just mind-blowing so check that out you will not be sorry um bear Boz says i won't put another mask on i now live halfway up to the mountain and my nearest neighbor is a half a mile away so i won't catch any virus <laughs> Um, James says they have something up because I noted that masks lately have been up on the rise in Japan. Um, employees and shoppers are still wearing masks here in Southern California, says Donna. I'm afraid they're going to comply again. They, they, they may very well. Okay. Wesley points out the Lord spoke through prophetess Julie Green that this plan for another pandemic, uh, pandemic is true, but the government's plan will not work. That's awesome. That's really good. Okay, guys, we will see you this week on Revelation Red Pill Wednesday. I'm not sure if we're going to continue our discussion from last week or God's going to drop something else in our lap, but make sure you're tuning in every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We are no longer on Real America's Voice because Ed, Ed Henry and Karen Turk are no longer on Real America's Voice. So you can't find us there, but you can find us every Friday on Brighton.tv at 6 p.m. and then our after show right here on all of your favorite platforms at 7. And then, of course, every Sunday, World News Program from the amazing Miss Leah. Uh, well done. And um, okay, so, oh yeah, Stuart the Brit says, I tried to go on Resistance Chicks the other day, which I haven't for ages. I forgot the password. It cut cut off in two tries. That's because we've had a lot of issues with spam. So we had to like, we almost lost our website because of spam. Not that you're spam, but we had to really tighten up those um things. Let me know and I can probably re-give you access. Uh, Fran Brand says, I'm in the UK. I never wore a mask or got the shot. Even the lockdown never stopped me going out. Stand firm and say no. Well said, Fran Brand. Mondays, tomorrow night, Kingdom Roundtable, 8 p.m. 
live streaming right here on Resistance Chicks and on the Kingdom Roundtable Rumble channel. You don't want to miss out. Corey's got a lot in store every week. We'll see you next time right here. ResistanceChicks.com. Don't forget, go and sign up for the emails. ResistanceChicks.com forward slash registration. And you'll get the latest of everything that we're doing right here at Resistance Chicks. Bye, guys. God bless. You got my name.